Yeah. Welcome to Critical Apocalypse episode 228, where this week we're going to be talking about the 2000 hit movie Supernova. Ant has lovingly gifted me his personal right. copy that's quite worn. This is the version not seen at cinemas. Oh. I don't know about what was shown in cinemas, but it's not been seen at cinemas. So this DVD was not near the concession stand at the time of the film being shown in cinemas. It's a dovd. It's a dovd. Why? I bought this from CEX. Yeah, was it pound DVD? Yeah. Yeah, it was. About, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How could you tell? Because it's a fucking early two thousands <laughs> sci-fi masterpiece. Yeah. You haven't heard of this movie. Peter Fascinelli's in this. Oh, from Heroes. No! Yeah, he's the guy from Heroes, isn't no, he? No! You're thinking of Milo, Va- Milo Vantamiglio, or whatever his name is. Is that his name? Yeah. Peter Fascinelli is the is the jock from Can't Hardly Wait. Oh. He also plays the dad in Twilight. Oh. Not the human dad, the vampire dad. Doctor dad. Oh. Anyway, so Supernova. Yeah. Should we do, do you want to watch yeah. this with me? You're happy with your... Can we watch this together? Choices that you've yeah. made? No. Can we watch this together? No. No, I don't, I don't need to watch that. <laughs> what? Do, it looks so... It, it reminds me of Space Truckers. It looks so original. And Deep Impact. And Event Horizon. <laughs> Are you just determined to be the first person who's spoken about this film? <laughs> no, I can't since be Since it came person. out. This isn't, this isn't one of those films that people forgot about. Is there a nostalgia critic review? No, this isn't no. a film that people forgot about. This is a classic movie that yeah. everyone is well aware of. Yeah. I... I've never watched this movie yet, can you tell? (laughs) I just know that this is one of those films that disappeared into obscurity almost immediately after it was released because it was so bad. Is it it as um, good as The 13th Floor? The 13th Floor's okay! It's boring. It's It's boring, but it's okay. 13th Warrior. About The Net. The Net's okay as well. Have you seen 13th Warrior? What? With Antonio Banderas. nothing to do what? You said 13 floor, so I tied the numbers together. Yeah, oh, right, yeah, they're really related. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about news. And you were giggling with glee about this the other day, whereas I was quite distraught. Carl Weathers died. I was laughing about prostate exams. <laughs> you were laughing about prostate exams. Well, you can shove that up your ass. Mm. That's right, I stole your joke, Ant. I knew mm. where you were going with mm. it because you were stealing Limmy's joke, and I stole it. I was going to steal anyone's joke. I was just laughing about how the king's got... Probably what, fat-ass pussy. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a fat-ass pussy that needed poking. Do you think he has pussy cancer? Or is it another type? He's got um, sausage finger cancer. <laughs> That's mean. Anyway, Carl Welvers died. No, An no. icon, a hero. Mm. I've spoken on this podcast many times about how much I love the Rocky movies. I've reviewed all the Creed movies. Carl Welvers, obviously, played Apollo Creed in the first four Rocky movies. He was killed by Evan Drago in Rocky IV. Um, and, uh, mm. yeah, just I... I loved Predator when I was a kid. I loved all of the Rocky movies. Predators loved you. Yeah, they did. Mm. What of it? The priests. Yeah. Teachers. Savile. Teachers. Pediatricians. You know, all the... Pediatricians. Mm. So, when we're done joking about child sex as well, <laughs> let's let's talk again about Carl Weathers. Right. But yeah, no, um, obviously, like hugely influential in a lot of pop culture and like every role I think was enjoyed even like Action Jackson and he played what was his name in Toy Story 4 he played like the tiny little um, it was like Combat Carl and he was just giving people high fives he's just like got this really nice really cute little part and it's very funny it was Woody no it was Combat Carl there were like three of them and they're always high fiving and one's always left out it's quite funny Um, but yeah just really sad and also Arrested Development really good part in that 
He's only in like one episode. He's in, he's got like in a bunch of episodes. Like yeah. the joke was originally Tobias was like, oh yeah, I went to one of Carl Weathers acting classes and Carl Weathers got called up by the creator, Alex Horowitz, I think it is. Um, he got called up and like, they were like, oh yeah, we want you to do like the montage where you're running on the beach with Tobias and stuff like that. And Carl Weathers was like, you're not going to ask me to do all that Rocky stuff, are you? And he was like, and Alex Horowitz was like, oh no, of course not, Carl. You're, you're known for so many other things. And he's like, how about if I just come on and my joke is I'm incredibly cheap. And so there's a joke where he keeps telling people tips on starting a stew. Hmm. He's like, he's like, there may not be much bone left. On, there may not be much meat left on that bone. But if you pop that in a pot, bring it to a boil, you got yourself the start to a stew. <laughs> and then there's an episode where there's like an accident in a kitchen, like in a restaurant where a bunch of people are hurt. And you see him at the back at one point and he, his voice, voice, like his little line as everybody's like running out, like exiting the restaurant is he's like, he's like, who do I talk to about the emotional damage I've experienced? <laughs> like, obviously prepping to sue the restaurant because <laughs> he's just incredibly cheap. And that's just the joke. And he's, he's really good in... It's like, like that in real music. life. No, I don't think he was. He was quite... Because yeah. he was like a director, an actor. He directed some episodes of The Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah, he's like just very prolific within pop culture. And obviously, like everybody knows about the meme of Schwarzenegger and him, the handshake from Predator. Just great stuff. Great Dylan. Stuff. Dylan, yeah. He was a son of a bitch. Dylan, you son of a bitch. Yeah, that's exactly what Arnold Schwarzenegger sounds like. It's really spot on. <laughs> really nailed it. <laughs> Hi there, Dutch. It's like, you're, you're bored of pushing pencils all day. <laughs> you do an Arnie impression. No, because I do respect for No, him. yeah, do one then. You do do one of the lines from Maggie. <laughs> Maggie? <laughs> or from the sixth day. Fucking... I'm a clown! No! I'm not one of the four people who actually watched them. I watched Maggie. Five people. You're not a person. No, that's true. I'm just a combination of skills. I did watch um, Eraser. That's one. <laughs> Your luggage! And I've got End of Days somewhere. Oh, yeah. I might, end of days. I might go rid of yeah. that, actually. I can't remember. End of Days with the greatest uh, protein shake in the world in it. It's two raw eggs, a scoop of protein, a whole slice of pizza in a blender. Yeah, that's fine. And some beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Um,. Yeah, but sad. It's just sad. Carl Weathers, obviously, 74, I think he died. Mm. Yeah, um, you know, pretty good, but still. This thing looks like, um, you're already halfway to that. No, not yet. Yeah. Two more years, mate. Two more years, yeah. 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 You're yeah, way so. beyond halfway yeah. point. Just think, it's not You're much speeding left. towards the finish line. There's not much left, is there, Matt? Oh. No. You could be, if you died at 74, you say... Carl Weathers grew to a ripe old age. I mean, yeah. just think about how how short your life's been so far. No, my life has felt pretty long. I think people that don't struggle with depression it's feel like life flies by. <laughs> something that felt long anyway. But when you're depressed, like, it seems to take forever, Ant. And when you've mm. had suicidal ideation, it takes even longer. It's a never-ending torment. That's because you use words like ideation. You should really? use, um, just thoughts. That's a good word. <laughs> A smattering of suicidal thoughts. Yeah, ideation is just like, that's too much of a, that's like fancy words. That's like fancy words. Yeah. Them's there, those those college words. <laughs> You're using a 50 cent word where you got one cent piece, boy. Um, your review. Okay, Why am I first? You're first this week. Oh. Just fucking review a thing. Well, okay. Um, Speaking of depression. <laughs> 
what have, what have you made? Um, I watched the Super Mario Brothers movie. The new one? Yeah. Yeah, how's that gone? Yeah, it's not as good as the original. I mean... The original's a masterpiece. Um, in the Super Mario Brothers movie, starring Chris Pratt and um, Charlie Day. Day... Well, is it really starring Charlie Day? Like, isn't it for like... He just gets forgotten about yeah. for 60% of the film. He's just in a cage. Um, but anyway, yeah, Mario falls down a pipe or some shit when there's a leak. He fixes the leak, I guess. Does he fix the leak? Not really. But he falls down a pipe and ends up in the Mushroom Kingdom. But, um, yeah, he has to save, um, stop Bowser from taking over the Mushroom Kingdom. He wants to marry Princess Peach. Doesn't kidnap her. He's just on his way there. Should be more proactive. Why can't he just, like, still kidnap Princess Peach? It's a classic storyline. They've done it, like, 700 times. They had to make her into a Mary Sue, according to the internet. Oh, no. Um, but uh, it's just a fun kids film. Really? There's not much to it. Mario, does he learn a lesson? I, I mean, he he learns to pick up flowers, fire flowers. He learns that mushrooms are a good source of superpowers. Yeah, he gets used to eating mushrooms. Good for him. Um, but no, it's fun enough. You know, this this is stuff that's quite nice. Like this, the CGI is your very traditional, your standard 3D animated movie thing. There's not much style to it. It's just, it's like the Mario key art, but like slightly different, like for an American filter. Um, and it feels kind of a bit lame when you've had stuff like Into the Spider-Verse and the mutant mayhem and all that sort of stuff going around, you know, that's been pushing it. Even, even, fucking, no one ever mentioned it, the Charlie Brown movie, which has a gorgeous friggin' CG style. Have you ever seen that? No. It's like, it's like, imagine if like 2D art had like a slight roundedness to it. It's like that. So it's all, it's all 3D, but it all looks like it's somewhere between 3D and 2D. Okay. Like if, like if drawings were made of Play-Doh, I guess. But, um, that's a lovely film people should watch. But um, yeah, it just looks it's still standard. Um, there's one thing is like the music works in loads of Koji Kondo tunes into it, mm-hmm. like into the score. Yeah. But then every now and again, there's just like a song. A terrible needle. And no freaking needle drop. Yeah, for no reason. Yeah. None of it feels motivated. None of it, and I can't tell. None of it. I, c- I can't even remember what needle drops there were, but it's just no, it's like until Brooklyn when they're about to fight Bowser. Oh yeah, and it's all just like why Mr. Blue like, Sky at one point when they're building carts. Is it? Is it Mr. Blue Sky or is it something else? Currently? Possibly. There's a bit where they get in the car and they drive off and it starts playing some friggin' like road music, friggin' you know something from a dad's yeah Top Gear album or something. And that's just, oh, none of it. Oh yeah, it's Thunderstruck, isn't it? Is it possibly? I think it's like an it's, it's an Akadaka song. Akadaka. Akadaka. Yeah, but um, that felt unnecessary. The only thing I think they should have done is the teaser at the end as well, where it's just like, Yoshi's in the real world. I mean, people saw a lot more than a Yoshi. That's not going to be surprising now. No. Um, but I feel like the teaser should have just been the end, the teaser from the original Mario Brothers movie again. I think that would have been the funniest thing they could have done, is just yeah, have, have her turn Princess out. Peach barge through the door of a shotgun and fucking... Like, uh, you won't believe what's happened, Mario. I'll get my belt. And that would have been the perfect ending to it. Um, but no, the original film's... Um, Better. This has got ideas. Yeah. Made by two two people who thought themselves directors, but weren't, and they got kicked off the set pretty early, and the film didn't really have a director for... I think that, oh, that film can be partially blamed for Bob Hoskins' alcoholism. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, they, him and John Leguizamo got constantly fucking drunk, tanked. and yeah, I mean, I don't blame him. But um, that film is actually no one ever mentions it as well. Um, it's responsible for the mod, the way films are made now, yeah. like digital editing and digital compositing and stuff like that was all pioneered in that film. They did a crossfade. They did um, not just crossfade, but the, there's loads of digital print to digital effects stuff that was going on when up to that point the only people who could do that sort of thing were ILM. Hmm. And they pioneered like systems that all studios use now. Lance Henriksen. Uh, that movie. Is he? Yeah, he's the king at the end. Was he? The ball drops down. That's Lance Henriksen. Yeah, well, Princess Peach's dad. Yeah. Was it Lance Henriksen? Yeah. I thought it was some other old guy. Nope, Lance Henriksen. I thought it was a Bill Nye type. Nope, it's Lance Henriksen. Your mum's Lance Henriksen. Google it and check. I've watched that film more times than you because I had it on video when I was a kid and That's we didn't have cinema. a ton of videos. All right, yeah. all right. I guess that you were better than me. Somehow. It was almost unreal, such as the song that was featured in it. <laughs> Heading on the highway. Um, but no, this, this Mario Bros. movie is fine. You can put kids in front of it; they'll watch it. There's only one part that I I really enjoyed, and that's every time it cuts Luigi in the thing, and there's that blue flame. There's just like flame. It's a the star. Yeah, it's not a star. What is it? It's one of the fucking. Um, Looming things oh, from right. whatever it Mario is, Galaxy. Whatever it is, it gleefully gives some of the darkest lines in a kid's film. It's like, more meat for the grinder! <laughs> Yay, the sweet release of death! <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah. what Mario games are all about. Yep. What is, I mean, come on, this isn't a Mario, isn't like an actual Mario film. It's like the characters put in what is. Like a loose composite of, of of scenes based on posters someone saw. There's nothing to do with the actual Mario games in any part. I think it's it. funny that half the film was more concerned with being a Mario and Donkey Kong buddy movie than a Mario and Luigi was movie. Wasn't even concerned with that. It didn't, didn't well, as soon as they get to the Donkey Kong country, like which is only about half an hour into the film, mm. the rest of the film is Mario and Donkey Kong mocking each other and then learning to work together. Isn't that only until they get through the water? No, it's like five minutes. No, they, that's not. It's much longer than that. They have the whole, the fight, see, the bit where they fight the Smash, which is basically Smash Brothers fight. Yeah. Then they build the cars, they have the chase along the Rainbow Road. And then they fall into they got the, the water. water. Yeah, and then they work together fighting Bowser before Luigi gets back. I don't even remember that. There's loads of it. Loads of it is them, like, going, oh, I've learned to be your friend, Mario. I should, I didn't, you, you weren't such a bad guy. <laughs> Um, you know, it's not it's not as good as a How to Train Your Dragon or a How to Train Your Dragon Two or a How to Train Your Dragon Three. Shut the fuck up! Ago. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. <laughs> no, it's um, it's I'm gonna make <laughs> this shit's gonna make House Party look like House Party Two or House Party Three. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> that's uh, James on the Bob Strike Back. Chris Rock at the guy that's getting him coffee. <laughs> Give me my coffee. <laughs> you spitting this? What? No. It's like. Did you spit in this? No. Did you pee in it? No. Go get me another fucking coffee. <laughs> Chris Rock just being the best. Um, yeah, Mario <laughs> Brothers movie. How? I can how, tell how, it. Like, I was really annoyed that Fred Armisen played Cranky Con. They didn't didn't just get Larry David to do it. Cranky Con. Yeah, because Larry David would have been amazing as Cranky Con. Instead, they had um, Fred Armisen doing like a bad. Attempt at like is Cranky Larry Kong's David. voice well known and everything? No, no, but just I think it would have been funny for Larry David because he's got the same haircut. <laughs> there wasn't um, there wasn't enough Funky Kong in there. No. Or um, who's the one who's got 
long arms and a funny face. He's got no style, he's got no grace. This Kong's got a funny face. Oh, yeah. That one. I, I remember the YouTube video. I can't yeah. Remember the name. <clears throat> anyway, um, it's fine. You can put kids in front of it. I don't think there's anything really here for anyone above the age of about seven to really get their... Get their um... Yeah, I was expecting a Mario Brothers film to be more like something like a Terrence Malick. If no, it could have been more no, like no, Tree no. of Life. No, but you know, like, <laughs> if it had any semblance to the Badlands. games... Badlands. Or like any... It does. Like... It's just every single part of it is like... Here's a bit from one of the games. No, but it's, it's more like here's, here's a poster someone saw of the games. Like, here's a poster from Rainbow Road and Mario Kart. Here's a poster from what one of the levels looks like. It doesn't really have any of, like, any of that in it. You know what I mean? It's just like... It, what it's do like, the games have? Well, just... just games. Just, the game Mario games just have levels. He could... He, ugh, just anything. Just anything in there. Like, you could have, like, a bit where he's, like, running a gauntlet and it's just all, like... Instead, you've got, like, a blocks that are assembled as a training course where he has to yeah. eat a mushroom. Yeah. It's a montage like, bit. Have him run through some piranha plants and, like, be like, you got to keep up your speed. you got to make it to the... got to make it through the Green Hill Zone. Green Hill Zone. Yeah. Do you think they're going to make Mario and Sonic kiss when they have a crossover movie? No, they're just going to have a full-on, like, fucking Analingus scene. Yeah. They're just licking his arsehole out. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you want, isn't it, Ant? Yeah. That's what your search history looks like on new porn. Yeah. It's just a bunch of fucking Analingus videos with Sonic and Mario. Metalingus? <laughs> what have we wrought? <laughs> what have we wrought? I mean, this is all on you, man. Fucking... <laughs> what chaos have we brought into the world? What existence does Wario have in this world? Because <laughs> Mario, like in the games, you can just excuse it. It's, it's Wario, whatever. But in this world, Mario is very distinctly from the human world. Yeah, yeah. So, is there someone called Wario who has based his entire personality on looking like Mario? Is and it he's just, just a homeless hate guy that was living down there that fell in the tomb? I mean, years if ago. Wario was like his boss at the Wrecking Crew company. Yeah. That would have made sense. It's like some asshole who goes out of his way. He doesn't like Mario because he sees himself in Mario and he's a failure and Mario's a success. And you could have had that. But then Waluigi would be around and you'd have to explain. <laughs> they just they should have just had a scene when they look in a mirror. It's a magic mirror. And it makes distorted versions. Is Daisy of Princess Peach's Wario? Yeah. Or is it Pauline? I don't know. I don't care. I don't care anymore. Wapichi. Um I mean, I would recommend anything other than putting kids in front of us. I'd recommend Despicable Me instead of this. No, don't be that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's made by the same company, the Minions. There are Minions at the beginning of this. They have a Minion Mario Kart. How long till that's in Mario Kart? That's never happening. Nintendo have more integrity. Do they? Because yeah. they put their stamp of approval on this shit. That's fine. Oh, fine. You, you just need to outrage bait, don't you? That's what you love doing. I just didn't like it. It was incredibly boring. Mm. It just, it, it felt like, uh, it felt like, like I said, it felt like someone had second-hand knowledge of something and they made a game. And you wish it and really it felt, respected the Mario law. I just wish that there was more mm. to it. Like more you could, it. you could do something about that. Like you Mario could, should have ate more spaghetti and meatballs. Hey, Mario, you got to go on a journey to get Princess Peach. Oh, okay, I'll do that. Now you get the car, and now you get instead. Like it, it, it's just, it's just like it's nothing. It's kids much. films for you. It's yeah. gruel. Yeah. yeah, but so Spider Verse. Spider Verse is a kids film. 
No, it's not much. I'm talking about. So is How to Train Your Dragon. That's a kids' film. You can't say Souls Spider- a kids' film. Spider Verse isn't a kids' film because they say ass in it. Like donkeys. Yeah, no, they they say kick ass. Kick donkeys. They're animal abusers. I get it, Ad. It's deplorable, but that's Spider-Man not. Spider Man is famously canonically a donkey kicking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> but so it's Mario. He kicked Donkey Kong. That's true. That yeah. is true. And he that... kicked Conky Dong and his Conky Dong. Conky Dong. Conky Dong. Conky Dong. Um. Okay. What if they maybe made the big Lebowski with Mario characters? Yeah, Donny could be Diddy Kong. I'd be into that. Donkey Kong is as John Goodman's character. I'd be into that. <laughs> Diddy Kong starts saying stuff and he goes, Shut the fuck up, Diddy Kong. <laughs> He's like, you can't bowl on the shabba. Shut the fuck up, Donny. Wait, yeah, it's a shabba if you can't bowl on the shabba. <laughs> Fucking haven't watched Big Lebowski for a while. Need to watch that. It's time to watch it again. Yeah. Anyway, um, you should review something. I should, shouldn't I? I played Like a Dragon, Yakuza Like a Dragon, the the eighth Yakuza game? Is it the eighth Seventh, one? you dumb it's fuck. The, it's the seventh Yakuza you game. You haven't even played the other ones? No, not yet. Fucking... Actually, no, that's not true. I played Kiwami in Zero. No, oh, well done. Shut up, Aaron. Shut up. You must be really confused what's going on in this one. Oh, you're not allowed to enjoy something because you haven't played the previous six. Yeah, you've got to play them all. Shut up, Aaron. Shut up. What are you talking about? What about what about Ichiban's journey? Ichiban's journey is uh, anything to do How with... How far are you through? Seven? Eleven chapters. Have you got to the part where Kiryu's turned up yet? No. Yeah, that might cause a problem for you. When does Kiryu turn up? Soon. Wait, is the, are you talking about infinite wealth? No. He turns up in Like a Dragon? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway, so uh, he might have turned up already, Ant, to be honest. I'm... I'm I got way into that management part of the game. Hmm. Spent hours doing that. Finished that. And I'm finally back in the game, but I've skipped a few cutscenes. Stop skipping the cutscenes. Shut up, Pat! Shut up! Don't tell me how to play a game I'm enjoying. Anyway, Like a Dragon. <coughs> Yakuza Like a Dragon. Yakuza 7. Hmm. Like a Dragon. It's hmm. called Like a Dragon in Japan. We've now got that title here. So switched over. Turn-based. Um, I got into this game, man, because... Um, I, well, it's great. It's a great fucking game. It's like a near perfect game. Alright? You happy? Is that what you wanted to hear? You fucking plebeian. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, so I, I you, as you know, I recently started playing the older Dragon Quest games. And this game, the famous. It's the canon f- to Dragon Quest. Canon, Dragon Quest is canon. Yeah, yeah, this. yeah. No, no, this game's canon to Dragon Quest. No, it's not. Yeah, but yeah. Dragon Quest is canon to this game. Oh. So Edgeban, um he grew up in... Is it Soapworld is the name of the club? Soapland. Soapland. Are you playing it with a dub? No. Playing with the Japanese. Mm. He he grew up in Soapland and, and like they make a mention in this that it's he... Soapland, I mean... he They make a mention in this that he spends most of his time up in the office playing um, Dragon Quest. And, and Dragon, Quest, uh, Dragon Quest on the NES. Even though it's 2004, 2002? No. Is it 2000? He played it when he was a kid. No, but he's still playing it in the game. He talks about being, like, they talk, they take the piss out of him, and they say, you've been up in that office playing video games too long, and he likes, I like the Dragon Quest game, I like playing those games. And someone says, they'll never respect you because you spent so long up there. But anyway, so, um, you play Ichiban. Ichiban? Is it Ichiban or Ichiban? Ichiban. Ichiban. As in number one. Okay. But you play as him. He is, he's sent to prison for 20 years because he gets framed for murder. Well, he takes the, the blame for a murder committed by the boss. 
and uh, goes away for 20 years, comes out, and uh, what what happens? No one's there to see him. Oh. He was a member of the Yakuza. He's expecting there to be someone there to greet him because he's done his job. He's he's taken the blame. He's not ratted out the boss. He's let the boss continue to do operations. And he's coming out much like the mafia. They like look after you when you're away. He doesn't have a family or anything like that because he's a young man when he goes in. When he comes out, there's no one there to greet him except for a cop that is investigating the Omi... Is it the Omi Alliance? It's just the combination of a bunch of different Yakuza families. Yeah, the Omi Alliance one and Kamurocho. There we go. Thank you for helping out. So, you play as Ichiban... the Tojo clan. As he meets friends in... The worst of situations because he's down and out in uh, Beverly Hills. Yeah, yeah, he's Nick Nolte. Yeah, um, he's down and out, and he he ends up homeless without any support, no no family. He can't rely on his old Yakuza friends, and so he meets a man, homeless bloke. And they What's keep... his name? I can't remember. It's Namba. You fucking it's Namba. What's the name of the detective? Great question. It's a Dachi. Yeah, they're those names. Yeah, and the girl? Aki? Psycho. Who's Aki? I don't know, man. Anyway. Um, so anyway, so um, so you team up with various people that you meet, and Ichiban is just a good bloke. It's just like, it's very clearly, he's just a good bloke who's, who's a bit of a shit kicker. He's You've like, got to make sure you know all this stuff, because there will be a test. <laughs> he's just, he's a shit Actually, kicker. there is someone who asks you quizzes, you have to answer <laughs> the questions. It's one of the sub... Properly. I think I've done that at the vocational school. There's like stuff like that. They ask yeah. you questions about the They ask area. you questions about actual shit. It's yeah. a funny thing. But yeah, no, so um so Ichiban, like the thing that's really infectious about this is Ichiban is just a really fucking nice dude who just he sort of nice. he gets a hundred percent stuck into anything he's doing, whether that's helping people cosplay as babies. Yeah, they're important. You can't forget <laughs> they them. They come up as your pound mates as well. You can yeah. call them to come and help you in battle. Or if it's like, if you're just beating the shit out of some people that are trying to fleece people for money via the part-time hero app. Like, anything he's doing, he is 100% in. Hmm. To the point where I spent roughly about two days playing that management game where you become the CEO of a company. Yeah. Within a Yakuza game. Technically, the chicken's the CEO, I think. You hire and fire people. You maximise profits. you got to get the you old take, lady on tills. Yeah, you got to take place. you got to go and, like, take part in, in, in shareholder meetings. Yeah. Like, there's this entire thought-out, incredible mini-game in this Yakuza game that I spent hours doing, and it was so fun. Um... And it's just, it was... You've got Aerie on your team now. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've unlocked her. Because you unlock her after you complete the first shareholder level. Yeah, so they have to yeah, do... You get like 100, you, once you get to 120 in the rankings for shareholders. Yeah. But I've got to number one now. Yeah, I did that, yeah. And you unlock all the special moves like Stack Slap, yeah. which um, Ichiban can do. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the whole game has this infectious energy of just a bloke trying to help everyone and just this positive energy that he's throwing out there just... Just an incredible snowball effect where he's just becoming this giant fucking... If you've played the other games, you'll realise that his character is a direct opposite of Kiryu. Is he? Yeah. They both attempt to do the right thing, but Kiryu wanders alone. Kasuga's got friends. Kiryu avoids trying to help people, but he can't say no to anything. Yeah. 
Ichiban just like fucking jumps straight in. Every single opportunity. I was helping a guy. He does the bare minimum resistance to helping someone. He doesn't resist at all, lad. He goes. Sometimes he goes, well, I've got a lot going on, and that's about as much as he resists. There was a scene where I was trying to find a guy's crawfish. Oh, Nancy. Yeah. And you have to find this crawfish and you take it back to the guy and the guy's about to kill it. And then he's like, well, I'll trade it for a premium sushi set. I've left that that mission unfinished. Go get a premium sushi set. I'm going to find one because I need to Popo. save Nancy. You buy them from Popo. Uh, but yeah, that, there's so much stuff going on. And that's not even to you mention... You need Nancy. She's um, important she, in the next game. Is she really? You you could, if you get Nancy away. in your team, you yeah. get a, a special move. Oh, to, you can summon Nancy. But yeah, so... Um, like Ifrit. And so here's the thing, though. Was he so, a pal mate? I think he's probably a pal mate. Um, here's, here's the thing. So this game is an infectious ball of just energy. Everything you do is just this incredible experience. It's so much fun. But then the thing is that it's such a departure from the other Yakuza games. Now, I've only played the two. Played Zero and Kiwami. You know, obviously you've got more experience in this than I do. But they are very much like... Um, real time action games. Mm. When you get into a fight, there are, like, you go into a little arena and just beat the shit out of each other, right? In this, you have turn based combat. Because the character Ichiban says to people, Ichiban. Ichiban says to people, when I get into a fight, I see it like Dragon Quest. He didn't skip that cutscene. No. And he, and he talks about how he sees, like, his enemies and, like, and I, I get the feeling that everyone else is watching people belch fire and just fling a baseball bat randomly. He's the only one seeing it the way that the game, the, the, the person playing yeah. the game sees it. And it's this just like this really deep combat system. Like it doesn't seem it at first, but once you start getting into like area of effect, effect attacks and you start finding the different weapons, the different jobs and yeah. you start utilizing everything all together. You realise that there's this really deep combat system in it, and then that's not to mention there are smaller mini games hidden around the place. There's a cinema mini game that reminds me of Catherine almost, and it's not yeah. like the not the actual block climate, but the aesthetics are just like that game Catherine that was released by um, Atlas. And it's just there's a you you go to a cinema. There's a weirdo who likes watching B movies that are obviously very boring because every character that goes in there falls asleep. But he invites you to come and sit with him and watch a movie. And as you're watching it, to stay awake, you have to fight off goat-headed demons in the seats behind you, mm-hmm. flinging energy. And there are like people that turn up with chicken masks with symbols, and it's essentially like a little dance game. That's almost. what happens in cinemas, though. <laughs> it's, That's normal. it's just incredible. Just like this is this is it's such a special experience, and I feel like this is the kind of thing that if anyone was to pick this up and play it for just an hour, that there is that infectious. They captured the essence of that character in everything running through the game. Like, even the can-collecting minigame feels like it would be at home in, like, a hundred different games, but it's almost perfect in how simple it is in this. And, like, I love being, a, a, like, a billionaire CEO of a company, and I'm still going to every vending machine and being like, oh, fuck yeah, 10 yen! Mm. I got it! <laughs> yeah! yeah. <laughs> it's still just, dumpster dive. It's so insanely good, and it's and it's... Like I say, it's almost perfect. I played the entirety. So I uh, initially I borrowed your copy a few years ago, mm. and I started it. Then I got like fairly far into it. I got like to the fourth or fifth chapter, and I just I didn't continue. Um, I bought it recently on Steam because it was on sale for like a tenner, and I've played for almost all of it on the Steam Deck, and it runs flawlessly on the Steam Deck, and it's just 
it's the kind of thing that when you pick it up, you just can't put it down. Yeah, you got to get the tissues out for when you get to the end. Have I really? I yeah, thought it's very Nam- sexy. So I, <laughs> if I see nudity, I'm jacking it. No, um, Namba's Namba switches over to the other team for a little bit. Is his brother? Is yeah, you can't do his drink links until you've done that part of the story. Yeah, you have to do the go, go past that. Because then after that, he gets the incredible pyro. Yeah, I, t- I changed his class when I played it. I made him my healer, effectively. But, I made um, um, I made um, Seiko my healer because she has um, when you make her the idol, she gets a really good. Everyone gets healed. I think I gave her the idol thing for a while. Yeah. And but, I've um, got. I've I used kept... Ari, once I got Aerie on my team. I was just like, because she's like, she's very damage good at... dealing. Yeah. Like... Well, no, I've got um, I've got the cop as my damage dealer because I've put him in. You know the bodyguard one where he gets the shield. Yeah, yeah, I get bodyguard. Fucking yeah. the attacks on him. Yeah, he's got the big old shield bashes. Shield. Yeah, shield bashes. One you can most... give him a salami in the new. Yeah, game. you can. Yeah, you can do it in this. You get yeah. a hot kill butter. Yeah, have you gone to the sexy shop to get your weapons? I've got a couple of weapons from the sexy shop, yeah. but then you eventually you get a flaming two by four. Yeah, and I just upgraded that a couple of times. It's been better than everything else. I'll stick with the baseball bat. I would, but like the upgrade path in this—that's the only thing I would say—is the upgrade path is a little bit weird because there are so many different items you can buy, mm. and I know you can get them from the pawn shop, but it feels like a bit like cheating. To no, just... you can build them, boost them in that thing, and you have to give her money to yeah. upgrade the store. Yeah, but um, you can. You what can, was their name? You have to collect like you have to collect like scorpions and stuff to upgrade certain things. Mm. But you can buy them all from the pawn shop guy. You know the one who's who's got all the trash out the front of his house. Yeah. When you help him clean that up, you can buy all the little weird, little weird bits and pieces. But yeah, just really fucking good. It's a Tom Atkins. It's probably one of the best game experiences that I've I've played in a very long time. Um. It's weird because, like, I often with last year, I found that the year was so front ended with really big releases that I was really excited for, like Resident Evil Four and and Dead Space mm. and stuff. And this year, I sort of I got infinite wealth because I had to buy two copies because your Christmas present didn't arrive for weeks. So I bought you one from Amazon. I bought myself. Mm. I just kept the other one. So I'm going to start that, but I didn't want to start that without playing this one. So that's kind of how I got looking at looking at it. I might have to play Like a Dragon Gaiden to know the full story of what's happened. And I can skip all those cutscenes and do the combat, so yeah, right. No, Like a Dragon Gaiden set at the same time as cool. um, Infinite Wealth. Not Infinite Wealth, the f- not Yakuza 7. Yeah, I won't bother then. I just care about... Right now, my favourite person in the world, Ichimon. He's amazing. He's so good. And also, like, he gets a shit haircut at the beginning. And he just goes, ah, I guess this is it. Yeah, and every so often you go past a barber's and he's like, "Oh, but they're really good barbers." <laughs> I'm like, "You're a CEO, just pay for a haircut." But nope, that's it. He's sticking with it. They still broke. Someone at one point does turn around and say, "Oh, I really like your hair." And he goes, "Really?" And they go, "No." <laughs> I was like, "Don't burn him. Come on." Um, yeah, just really, really fucking good. Really fun. Just ridiculous. It is just. It's entirely ridiculous, but it is. It is like manifesting good things through video game. I I fucking I really enjoyed the little side story where the guy's like, oh, I really want to ask the soup girl out. Oh yeah yeah. And he's like he's like, what should I do? What what's gonna attract her? And at first you're like maybe maybe go and talk to her. And he's like he's like, yeah but I'm a fucking grub. I'm homeless. Oh yeah yeah <laughs> like, like maybe get some yeah. new clothes and he goes, yeah I'll get some money together and I'll get some new clothes and I like looked through my items. I was like oh that's so much gear do you want some <laughs> like, done the one with the bike again. Yeah yeah. Yeah they're riding around with their Big old silly bikes. Oh no no no! That's a later one. One of their mm-hmm. gangs been captured by the yakuza. Yeah yeah yeah. And you have yeah. to help them. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah that's no, a good one. It's just so good. Just the whole game's just great. 
And Kwame, like, Kwame's really good as well. I love to play with the, Kwame. There's always a ghost story in each of them. I didn't do it. Which one is in this one? I haven't played any ghost story there's always There's always one story that's a little bit supernatural. There's a great one in Yakuza 6 where you go through a grave and you keep seeing a ghost. And then when the story ends, you think it's this this ghost that's been talking to you and teaching you moves from beyond the grave. Yeah. Um, when the story ends, the camera just like pans down to the ground as it's going. There's like a broken gas pipe. Um, but yeah just such a good game really 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 good game it's currently like 80% off on Steam so it's like a tenner on Steam and it's really worth it if you've got a Steam Deck as well fucking incredible like the fact that that game just runs flawlessly Mm. on there I don't think Infinite Wealth will run on the Steam Deck apparently it does Mm. apparently it still keeps up 30 frames which I mean it's not perfect but 30 frames is good you, you've got 30 frames in total. We didn't know. I'm just having a quick look to see how many chapters there are. Because I'm on chapter 11. S- 14, I think. Is it 14? 16. 15. 15, yeah. Quite a lot happens in the last few chapters. Yeah, they're longer, aren't they? Because mm. it does seem to be taking a lot longer to get through them. But, 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 but yeah, just just but, so much fun. And like I say, like any game where your, your hero isn't just some stoic asshole that's constantly like, I must find the killers of my family. Ichabon's like, what are we up to? We're, we're getting some hot water for your it's baby. A bunch of old that. dudes, just middle-aged guys, just... Being packed. Being who, best mates. And they've got the whole attitude of, our lives are basically half over, so yeah. fuck it. Let's just run around and have fun. Yeah. I like the fact that every so often there's someone with just like a money sign above their head, and I'm like, mm. oh, I, I've got to give them some money. And then you talk to them, they're like, oh, I can really do a job. And you're like, come work for my company. Mm. But yeah, that chicken. I got that chicken to level 30 <laughs> so quick. And I was just like, have a champagne party chicken. <laughs> You're doing great, bud. Your review, Anne. Um, what was I going to review? I don't know. Oh, I forgot Ultraman Blazer. How's that? Um, that's finished a couple, like a month and a half ago. I've, Who's I've, Ultraman now? Um, it was the guy who played um, one of the villains called Heart in Carmara Drive. But oh, yeah, cool. Ultraman Blazer is a good, fun one. I liked old. I liked it. The main character's not a little like nineteen-year-old, loud, crazy person. It's the guy who's like in his mid-thirties and he's like you know in a mission a position of command. And his age, like my age. Yeah, he's like a normal guy who's got a wife and kids. You know, where well, he's got one kid, and you see him every now and again. They don't they don't bring it up too much, really. Um, you think it'd be more important, but it's not. But um, he's got a little team. He's an Ultraman. Yeah. You don't know why. No one is just sort of. You find out that like something happened in the past. An Ultraman. This Ultraman Blazer reached out to him, and there's like this thing going on where they've both got PTSD in some form. No, oh, nice. you don't know exactly what happened with Blazer so much. You just know that he's, you know, he's suffered. He's lost in battle before now. It may be that he's like. You know, I think um, the main guy, I can't remember his name, the main guy. But um, maybe he's not his first host or something. And stuff's gone wrong before now. So every now and again, there's like stuff that happens where the monster is really kicking their ass. And Blazer just, they run away from yeah. battle. Or yeah. they, you know, they do something like you, you'd think would be out of character for an Ultraman. And you can never tell for a while whether it's the host or the Ultraman that's um, having the trouble or having the struggles. There's one where there's like a monster that, because he works for an organisation that has to deal with monsters when they turn up, and they've got a big old robot that they fight with, a big old Godzilla-looking mecha. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they have to deal with the monsters when they turn up and this monster turns up and he's trying to get his family out of the area and he's going to go back and fight the monster and everything but the monster's just like trying to protect its baby and he's about to stomp the big old mummy monster down and Blazer's like stopping him and they start like and you can't tell really whether it's because he spent the whole episode with his kid Mm. and so he sees the monster but you can't tell if it's him thinking I need to kill this monster because that's my duty as a soldier or if like Blazer's trying to stop him from doing that or if he's trying to stop it because he sees the kid and you can't tell who's stopping who for a while there's like a conflict going on between the host and Blazer and you yeah. don't, you're not really sure who's doing what because you can't tell if Blazer's the one running away mm. um, but it's like that sort of thing runs through it's all about the conflict of battle and stuff and you know who is the enemy that you should be fighting and all this sort of stuff yeah um it's it's really good it like it doesn't have like mass much of an overarching story for the whole season it's all every episode it's own little individual story and each one some of them have like vastly different styles to the other ones mm. they'll always have some sort of goal in mind to make you think about and they're all like little mini movies where they've got their own little arc going on like there's one episode which um is all about this band this is an orchestra, little mini orchestra. It's like four people playing music. Mm. And this girl's been listening to him for years when she goes out for her runs. As she runs around this little fountain park area, they're always playing there. And she's made friends with them over the years. And it turns out they're like aliens from another planet. They got stranded on Earth at some point, And they're supposed to awaken a monster. And they try to pull off this whole thing. They're using their music to control the monster. And the whole like last part of the episode has no dialogue in it. It's just the just the music playing and the monster attacking and Blazer trying to fight him and all the girls trying to talk him out of doing what they're doing mm. um, and having to take him out because, you know, she's got to yeah. find him. But it's all stuff like that. There's, there's a great episode where, like, the main character's professor who was obsessed with monsters, he's, like, got this bracelet thing, some magical bracelet thing, and he's called a monster down that's basically going to wipe out humanity to start over. He thinks humanity have destroyed the earth and the monsters need to reclaim it. My God. And it's like a two-part thing where they're trying Do they to... stop him? Yeah, they stop him, yeah. Does he... Is he evil after the... Is it the influence of the He's just sad and... It? He's oh. just sad and he's like read into his stuff too much and drawn all these conclusions. He's like He's lost certain, hope. He's reached halfway through his life and he's yeah. like, fuck it. And he goes yeah. on a series of adventures helping the user. Yeah. But it's, um, it's a fun series. I like, I like the way Blazer is in it. He's a bit wacky and weird. He... Like in the second episode, he pulls out a giant. Like he gets his, he's got this weapon he uses where he like makes a big old NG beam appear between his hands, and he hits people with it like a sword or throws it like a spear or stuff. Mm. Um, he uses it like a, as like a fishing rod in one episode, just like casts a rope out and pulls a monster out of the water with it. Um, he's always making weird noises. Like normally Ultramans, they're all like Fwah, Fwah, when you hear them fighting, they're doing kung fu noises. Yeah. This guy's just like it's like Boss Nass from freaking Phantom Menace making all sorts of wacky noises rolling around all over the place. And he doesn't fight like the other Ultramans. There's no, like, cool martial arts stuff going on. He's like a scrappy brawler wrestler type who just grabs things and just throws them around the place and just, like, charges into things and headbutts them and stuff like that. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't fight nicely, um, which I quite find fun. And he gets confused and messes up and lots of stuff gets blown up. And cool. he just enjoys it. He's just having... It's just fun time. Just fun time watching him fight like a nutter. So, um... And like, is there, is there like a thematic reason that he fights like a nutter? Is it just like, are the stakes a lot higher because his daughter and just, kid? Just, are, no, just blazes, blazes a nutter. Oh, cool. He just fights like a nutter. I like it. It's just like his fighting style. He, he grapples. Oh, cool. cool. I like <laughs> Why that. Why not? 
Yeah, fair enough. He just, he just grabs thing, he grabs monsters and uh, yeah, butts them. <laughs> good man. It's just good. Fun. I like it, and it's interesting. There's loads of stuff that's different to the other Blazer series, like the Ultraman series. Like normally in Ultraman, the main characters are part of some special squad, and they've got this high tech machinery, and they fly around and in got some like spaceship man and in the rear and stuff. But like that, um, yeah. in this one, they're a military team, but they're like their office, their military base is like a rented out ho- um, basketball court in a gym. Like it's just like some abandoned gym that they've set a bunch of computers up, and they're just like prefab office units that they've stuck in with some computers on them. They've got no high-tech stuff. They're pulling out maps and using paper and stuff. They've got like a basic computer stuff they can use. They've got no money. Their main transport vehicle is like a little transit van that is like so full of equipment that there's like enough space for two people to sit inside it. Um, And they drive around in that. They've got the giant mecha as part of their thing. But it's like that's that's the thing that the government has spent all the money on. Because they're like, yeah, we want this giant mecha to show everyone how great we are, but all their all the rest of it is like they have nothing. <laughs> They've got fuck all. And it's kind of great. On Amazon Prime now, isn't it? Don't think so. No, it's not available anywhere in the UK. It says it's available on Amazon Prime. Don't think so. I think it is at other, every other country in the world. We haven't got it over here. But um, yeah, they they've got like nothing in mm. this, and that's that's different. So, and no one ever finds out. Um, main guy's freaking Ultraman. Like, which is a rare thing. That's usually like a big plot reveal part way through the series or towards the end when the team, you know, all start working together. They know the main hero is Ultraman. He doesn't have to carry the burden on his own anymore. This one, they never know. He just he just successfully keeps it secret for well, the whole the series. Film, he he tells everyone to sit down while seeing a cheeseburger and tells them all, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. What? What? Anyway, um, fucking, it's a good series. It's solid. It I enjoyed like the hell of it. Fun. It's very different from the last few series that are very flashy and. Over the top, this one was a lot more grounded in a lot of ways. And Ultraman doing that thing every few episodes where it'll have just have the most insanely brilliantly choreographed, put together giant monster fight you've ever seen. Just does it casually, where Super Sentai rarely manages to pull that off often. Like, usually a lot of Super Sentai fights. I think the reason they've scaled back the amount of monster fights they do in Super Sentai nowadays is because a lot of them were just like one robot stands one side and fires missiles at the monster at the other side of the screen. That was it. Yeah. Whereas Ultraman has like, you know, darting around through the city, running through streets, like they do all sorts of stuff with like perspective shots showing cars getting rumbled around. There was like a fight sequence in one episode where the camera's inside these buildings and it's panning in between the apartments as Ultraman and the monster fight through the apartments. Oh, and cool. you can see a TV that's showing the fight from another angle <laughs> in the apartment. It's like, and as they're doing it, like the lights are swinging around and the, you know, stuff's falling off the shelves in the house. Just like creative stuff like that on you know you're just your weekly TV show with monster fights. That's cool. Apparently they film all the stuff with the make humans and everything, all the character stuff, mm. like six months before it airs, oh, really? which is very unusual for Toku. Toku's usually like four weeks ahead of when it airs. They well, churn them out quick. Is a lot of the a lot of the dialogue like when they're watching the monster fight script? Yeah. Or would you think part of it's scripted show. and part of it's reaction to what they're seeing yeah, on they, screen? They don't. What? They don't talk about the monster fights on screen. They just no, but I mean, like the monster fights, if they're filmed before the human parts, no, it's all scripted. It's oh. all planned out. It's just that they take their time filming all the giant monster fights. Oh, they're right. not trying to churn through. Oh, a week. right. So it's not like a reaction thing, you know? Like, mm, no. yeah, okay. Right, I don't know what okay. they're doing? They're making it up. They got to plan it all out. And no, no, it's not about it. making up so much as it's like. You know, like those natural bits of dialogue that fall within. They don't have dialogue in the monster fights. The giant monsters fight him. No, but people react to them. No, don't show any of that. 
Oh. Monster monster fights going on. It's just the you're in a monster fight. fight. Tell a story of that. Unless I there's people know. running around shooting at stuff on the ground. Well, that's what I mean. Like the people in like the tent, like looking at the monitors and going, "Oh my god, he's about to use." No, yeah, they'll just go. shoot at the sky and then they'll composite in an Ultraman later. Oh, cool. There's no cameos from other Ultramans in this. It's all oh. that. That's something that happens in almost every series. There is, I think, six frigging clip shows over the course of the series. Like, Jesus. Yeah. What are they clips of? Just the, the last episodes. like four episodes. Jesus Christ! Um, one of them's canon to the show though, because they make a revelation during it. The rest of them are all like some weird character who's like, "Here's a great Ultraman story. I'm from a different planet, and I'm going to tell you all about Ultraman Blazer." Here's Batman. And it reminds you that it's a kid show for a little bit when the rest of the episodes are quite dour and sad and stuff. Um, you know, it's like, "Oh, my dad died years ago. He died doing something really dark, and I'm going to find out what it was." Um, one of the main villains was the villain from Kamen Rider Double. The moment he turned up, I was like, that fucker's still alive, and also, he's the villain. <laughs> so he's the same villain? No, it's just the same oh. same actor. Oh, right. But, um, that would have been cool. Yeah, no, because he, he's very dead in Ultraman. Oh. Okay. For Kamen Rider Double. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> Ultraman. Blazer. It's a show you can watch on YouTube. I think it's still all on there. I don't know. I don't oh, know if cool. they remove it. They used to remove stuff fairly quickly. I don't know. Not anymore, boss. Okay, my next review is going to be the smash hit rom-com mm. starring Sidney Sweeney oh, right. and Glenn Powell. Oh, right. It's called Anyone But You. Oh. It's about two attractive young people, youngish, who meet. They have a meet your... Which one's Glenn Powell? Glenn Powell's the one who is older than everybody expects. He's like 45, but he's been in tons of stuff. He's in like Expendables Free and shit like that. He's been in loads of stuff. He's got one of those faces. Oh, actually, I think... Did he play... He looks like the guy who played the Green Arrow. I know Sidney Sweeney from pictures on internet. He sounded like one of the people that went to went to the screening I was at. Oh, he's 35. Same age. Oh, so old. Disgusting. So fucking old, mate. It was the he's Green Arrow Twisters. in Twisters? Twisters? He was in Top Maverick. He's Not in seen it. The Dark Knight Rises. Was he? Yeah, he's in Spy Kids 3D, Spendables oh. 3. Oh, he's in Everybody Wants Some. He's he's like he's he's one of those faces that's just in a ton of stuff. Um but anyway, so Glenn Powell um plays a young stock trader who meets a girl, meet you in a little coffee shop. They have like a nice little moment, it seems like a traditional rom com. They end up spending the night together, but not sleeping together. They have a few kisses, but mostly they just, just spend hand stuff. the whole night talking. Mm, oh. And he tells her about his mum. Hmm. And we don't realise yet, but there may be more connections than they than they first assume. Oh. So she leaves. She decides that she's just going to sneak off. And that hurts his feelings. Mm. So so he tells his friend, who turns up shortly after she leaves, he's like, oh, I couldn't wait for her to leave, trying to show bravado to pretend that he doesn't care that she left, even though they shared this deep, intimate connection. Mm. Um, cut to a few months later, him and his friend are at the bar meeting his friend's sister and her fiance. Turns out the fiance has a sister also. And lo and behold, it's Sydney Sweeney. Oh. And Glenn Powell's like, shock and awe, the bitch is back. And she's like, oh, look, it's the tiny dick express. And he's like, ow, words hurt. <laughs> And then the two sis the, the the two the couple they end up they end up getting engaged. Oh good for so them. So Sydney Sweeney and Glenn Powell now have to go to a wedding together. Yeah. 
And Sydney Sweeney's parents, Dermot Moroni, and some other woman, I can't remember the name of. It's not Mary Steenburgen. Who is that? I can't remember. Some other woman's famous. Joan Rivers. It's not Joan Rivers. Oh. But anyway, they, they are like, Sydney Sweeney, we know that you're heartbroken because your boyfriend, you split up with him. And you're really into him. She's like, oh, I don't. I just want to go to the wedding and I don't want to spoil it. And I want to make sure that I behave myself and this person that I find repugnant, Glenn Powell, we don't get up to any sexy shenanigans or destroy the wedding. So shut up. She's like, okay, I'll shut up. Zipped. Good. But then they invite her ex-boyfriend to the wedding. Oh. That's not... That's weird. Don't do that. That's horrible. Still friends with him. He's, you know. Well, they're friends with him. Yeah. Sydney Sweeney's like, this is weird. And it seems like for a long time, Dermot Mulroney's going to invite her ex-boyfriend into a freeway with his wife. No, oh, shit. They don't. No. But anyway, it's shenanigans ensue. And everybody's like, these two would be perfect together. Oh, they're not perfect together. Oh. And they decide they're going to pretend to be a couple to shut everyone up and just let the mm. wedding go through as peacefully as possible. Hmm. But then they actually kind of... But Sydney Sweeney. <laughs> we're going to talk about that in a second. You're not going to pretend... We're going to talk about that in a second. You're not into Sydney Sweeney. We're going to Sweeney. talk about that in a second. No one could pretend they're not into we're Sydney We're going to talk Sweeney. about that in a second. Yeah. So Is she in the new Spider-Man thing? She is. She's Spider, Spider-Lady. Spider-Lady. The Spider-Woman, Spider-Girl, Spider-Lady. I think she's Silk. Madame Webb. I think she's Silk. Miss Eight Legs. I don't know. Anyway, Splat. The famous, Splat. The famous zombie Spider-Woman. Um... So, yeah, so Glenn Powell and C- Sydney Sweeney, sexy shenanigans ensue, and they Sweet. end up liking each other. Oh, good for them. And then, yeah, lo and behold, they get together. Oh. The end. Anyone but you. Don't go see it. Uh, it's, well, it's fine. It's a rom-com. It's a rom-com that is, it feels like it was very much written around the same time as How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Mm. But it's made now. I only like rom-zom-coms. Okay. Um... There is one great scene. Rob Zombie. Rob (laughs) Zombie. There's one really good scene Mm. that made me laugh a lot. They're on a cliff and they're pretending to be a couple and they're like on a cliff and everyone's there and they're standing looking over this beautiful Australian like vista. Mm. And um, Like from the film Australia. From the film Australia starring Hugh Jackman and Nicole Kidman recently made into a series. Yeah. That's on HBO Max. Subscribe today. Based on the song by Manic Street Preachers. Based on the song by Manic Street Preachers. The day we caught the train. (laughs) Um, so there's a really good scene where they're standing there they're looking at this vista everyone's there like the whole like all the young couples and all the people are there and they're like trying to put on a scene so they're pretending to be a couple and the way they're doing it is they're like trying to put they're putting their like they're facing away and everybody else they don't realise is facing the other direction because there's a koala bear in a tree so they're all enraptured by this lovely cute koala bear and Sydney Sweeney and Glenn Power are whispering to each other about how to correctly cut someone's arse so they're both like look just grab the just hold the cheek and he's like obviously trying to put it on and he's like rubbing her arse cheeks left to right and then she's like no like this and she like grabs his ass cheek and she's like grabbing it like and he's like what are you trying to do tear my asshole off and she's like no and then they advance to like putting the hands down the back of the trousers and they're just like they're just escalating this over and over again thinking everybody's watching them try and like work out how to best cup someone's ass and then she puts her hand down the back of his trousers and he's like just try and avoid the highway you stick to the bylanes and she's like okay and he's like okay you're in my asshole." 
get your, get your hand out my outside. She pulls her hand out and she's just got a big fuck off spider on her hand. Oh. Why do you have a spider in his He just did a spider in his pants. Yeah. And so he oh, immediately... Was that a teaser for the new Madam Web so, <laughs> so he immediately tears all his clothes off and is completely nude and like literally throws him over this cliff. And he's got cupping his balls and he's like, check me for any more spiders. And she's like, I can remember, she goes, she goes, oh, okay, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. And he goes, he goes, what about you? What Do you have any more on you? And she just like pulls her top forward so she can look down. She goes, no, I'm fine. He goes, oh, that's a way better way of checking. <laughs> it's just the one good scene. And then, and then like immediately All after. wacky, relatable shenanigans. <laughs> and immediately after, he like, they like walk over to where everybody's looking at this koala bear, like only 10 feet away from where they were like fingering each other's assholes. And he's just standing there in this tiny pair of shorts she was wearing. And she's still wearing a top and just in her underwear. They're like, hey guys, what are we looking at? <laughs> like nothing's happened. It's the only fun part of the movie, Ad. So it would have just been like, she pulls a hand out the back of his trousers and just got a big old load of shit on her hands. <laughs> <laughs> but they're wearing white so they can't easily wipe it's it like, away did you shit yourself and it's like oh I don't think I did and she's like wait what's this and there's like a spider bite on his spine and he's slowly dying yeah yeah anyone but you when she I'm needs um, Madame Webb to yeah she needs Madame Webb to save the day yeah yeah and then Sydney Sweeney turns around and goes goes he was a man who was researching spiders in the jungle with my mum before she died <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah. Apparently, so, Sony are like, some actors have been saying that Sony hire them, telling them they're going to be part of the MCU now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because uh, apparently. They don't like, know the difference because they don't give no. a shit. Have you seen. I, I, I mean, don't stop the podcast to play it now, but there's a recent SNL digital short, which is Sydney Sweeney, like, rinsing the new version of The Lonely Island. They got three new guys doing it. It's mm. the Please Don't Destroy guys. No. They did a film that was actually quite good recently, but anyway, that's besides the point. Uh, one of the jokes that they make at her expenses, how does it feel to be in Madam Web, the first film completely written by AI 20 years ago? <laughs> she's just like, she's like, shut up. <laughs> I, I'm seeing Madam Web next. I'm seeing it on Valentine's Day, Anne. Oh. Me and Liv had our Valentine's Day celebration. We went to a fine dining evening in Brighton. So Wimpy. now, we're going to go and have Subway and watch Madam Web on <laughs> I adore that woman. And I'm putting her through Madam Web. We are going to really Amsterdam good. two days later. You it might be really good. We're going to Amsterdam two days later. You don't know. You're, you're what did you just say? You're naysaying say you Madam Web. Say? It could be really good. You never know. You're saying Madam Web. Yeah, maybe it'll be Madam really Web. Good. Yeah. The Spum movie. Everyone's really looking forward to seeing Everyone's always wanting to see Madam Web. <laughs> so she's such a dynamic character. Madam Web, a film so devoid of any originality, they have the bread joke from No No Way Home. Do they? Yeah, you know the joke where Andrew Garfield has a bread roll thrown at him. Yeah, he's like, it, it doesn't work like that. I'm not. It's not spider sense for bread. And like, there's a scene where a girl throws a bit of bread at at Dakota Johnson. Yeah. And she goes, she goes, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, but that's a reference. Callback! Callback! Yeah, people like you when you reference. I hope at the end Andrew so, Garfield meets that's, spider That's woman. what I was going to say. So, oh, sorry, by the way, anyone but you. It's very bland, straight down the middle, but it's a rom-com that's semi-enjoyable. I mean, there, as I said, there's that one scene... something pretty... semi when you're watching that. Oh, yeah, so Sydney Sweeney. Gets a massive erection in the film. Talk yeah. me through this, because I don't think facially there's much going on there. 
I don't but know much about her. I just, um, just she trends on Twitter every now and again. And you think she's attractive? I mean, she's got like a real. Again, this is a conversation. She's related to the Sweeney. Who? The Sweeney. Mick Sweeney. No, John Four in the TV show The Sweeney Sweet. from the A's. No, I just I I don't I don't like. What's going on there? What's is it? Just the underwear and boobs. I mean, she's just an attractive lady or stuff oh, like that. Okay. It's not like a Drew Barrymore situation where, like, I'm meant to... I'm question... Like, I don't think facially there's much going on there. You can't criticise... Why are you trying to rip into... Well, people in the toilet... Women's after, appearance. After the film, I went to go for a pee and two guys in the toilet were talking about how you see Sidney Sweeney's nipple during the film. Do you? Yeah. Have you already bought a ticket just by hearing that I said the Sidney Sweeney's nipple? But, like... In a, is it a 12 certificate, isn't it? No, it's sure. like a 15 or an 18. They swear a lot. They oh say fuck god. a lot. Oh my god. They say cunt once. What? Yeah, because someone's Australian, they say, oh, cunt. Yeah. What's up, cunt? Yeah. No one pulls doughies. Huh? Not in a ute. No one's driving up like a, like an old truck and pulling doughies. <laughs> and, hey, up, cunt. <laughs> Although people do drink Foster's out. The authentic beer of the Australians. No, they drink cans tinnies. of water they drink that tinnies. look like they drink tinnies. They put Foster's logo on. They drink props. tinnies. It's acting. They drink tinnies. Tinnies, yeah. Tinnies. Um, yeah, anyone but you. Uh, yeah, it's like Matthew Modine. It's straight down the middle. Like, you're going to you're gonna enjoy it, I guess. It's like gruel. It's not like... There's a little bit of it's like... like gruel. Pun? It's like gruel. Yeah, like Despicable Me 1. Yeah. Yeah, Matthew Modine. Um, but yeah, no, I was saying, Sydney Sweeney's nipple. But yeah, it's like a real... I'm what, trying... a nipple? You're reviewing a nipple now? No, it's in the film. Oh. It's got a casting credit. Oh, sweet. It's played by... <laughs> Sydney's when he's Vin nipple. Diesel. Yeah. <laughs> it's played by Joe Rogan's pointy nips. Hmm. They digitally put those big old bad boys on there. Um, no, it's um, Sydney Sweeney. It's a real Drew Barrymore situation to me. I don't know if her, like the face, is she attractive or is she not attractive? Drew Barrymore's got... Um, what was it? She's got a, a coffee-making machine out, but they didn't call it, like, Brew Barrymore. It's just Drew Barrymore's coffee machine, and I'm like, brew. <laughs> yeah, brew Barrymore. Yeah. Brew coffee more. Yeah. That's what I call it. She's a scab. Is she? Yeah, because she was... She crossed the line. Yeah, she was trying to keep her show going, wasn't she? Oh, God, yeah. We need to keep the show going, because we need to focus on, you know, we need to really bring light and stuff to people. There was a program called... People need entertainment. Um, there was that program, Santa Clarita Diet. Oh yeah, she was in that. Yeah, and in that program, you could tell it was you could tell it was a fictional universe because she was married to Timothy Oliphant, perfection in human form. Very handsome man. He was the hitman in the second hitman film. Oh, English guy. Yeah, he was like skinny, scary Not looking. Screen. <laughs> yeah, they should do a hitman film with um, Anthony Carrigan in it. Yeah, you know the no ball. ho Hank, no ho Hank. Yeah, from uh, Barry. Yeah, but he was also um, Victor robot. Zaz in Gotham. Was he? Yeah, he's fucking hilarious in oh, it. Oh no way! Like the funniest fucking character ever. He'd be like fully on a hitman mission and then get a message from the penguin saying, "Nah, give up. We got other plans." He just gets up and walks off. and goes, "Sorry about that. See you later. Bye. <laughs> nice meeting you." <laughs> I like no ho Hank in Barry. He was good, wasn't he? Also, wasn't he one the of robot. the in one of the X Men films? Wasn't he one of the he was Caliban. Yeah, the, but before, but then it was Stephen Merchant. Well, in, he was Caliban in the first in X Men Apocalypse. Penis. Oh no, yeah, Apocalypse. Sorry. Yeah, and it was um, 
Yeah, and it's Stephen Merchant in the next one. He develops a West Country accent between films. It's like, you're pushing yourself too far, Logan. No, how's the West Country? I've forgotten how West Country accent works. Hang on. Hang Who on. knows? Who... I used to live there. Did you? I could, yeah, people tell me I've still got a West Country accent. Did pushing people yourself... tell you that you're autistic? Yeah. <laughs> pushing yourself too far, Hogan, Logan. Logan, you're pushing yourself too far. No, I can't do it. Fucking... Pushing yourself too far, Logan. The headaches are getting worse. Grass. You're healing Grass. slower. Now, don't tell me you can't smell the blood coming off of your... Logan. Coming off of your hands. Logan. Hey, what have I reviewed so far? Um, Ultraman. Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. What's next? Was it third review? Yeah. What's your third review? Oh, I had brain... There was something else I reviewed. I did Super Mario Brothers. Right. And then Ultraman Blazer, right? I had four things. What was the fourth thing? I don't know. The third thing. I don't know. The third... Don't fart. You do it all the fucking time. This fucking establishment... In this country... You know, mug for time. What? Pad, pad. Create some padding. Oh, okay, yeah. So, uh, Madam Webb in the comics, canonically, is a psychic woman who lives in a chair. She has a big, long tail, and she sits there, and she's like, Peter, you must remember that every web has a pattern, and then he has to, like, work shit out. In the animated series, she was partially responsible for the War World saga, or the Battle World. Do you remember that one, where there's, like, the other versions of Spider-Man? It's Madam Web and the Beyonder, I believe. They drag different versions of Spider-Man, and they're all just animated. Like, there's the Iron Man version, the version that's still mutating, has four arms. You remember that? Six arms, sorry. Everyone's got four arms. With six arms. Apart from amputees. But, um, but yeah, really interesting that they've decided to make a movie about her. I can't really understand the reason behind it. Money, I guess. And also, I think it's really bad. I think it's going to be terrible. Like, I think it's going to be worse than Aquaman or Aquaman, uh, Aquaman 2. But not worse than Morbius. I had four things. I know you did. I'm just, I'm padding for time like you asked. I freaking... What else has finished recently? What have I watched? Slow Horses. Slow, what? Reacher. Reacher. I really did Reacher. Um, we already talked about... Supernova. Reacher. No, I didn't want... What? Infinite Wealth. That's later. I've got the thing before that. Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate. I, I was going to talk about Jetman, but I didn't finish it. I've still got three episodes to go. Oh, okay. Right. Um, One Piece Season 2. Fuck oh, yeah. Um, 70 odd episodes of no. Season 2, because apparently that's how it breaks down. Jesus. It doesn't really. It's just how they split stuff. So Season 1 ends with them getting into the Grand Line. Well, it ends with them literally at the top of the peak as they're about to come down. to go down, down the, Yeah. Um, but Season 2, the whole what, as it's broken up on Crunchyroll... It's part of the whole alabaster arc mm-hmm. thing. So it starts off with them like they come across this giant whale, and inside the whale is like this guy's turned it into like like the insides of the whale is like this big old casino mechanical thing. He's got like an island inside there. This guy lives on. Oh, cool. And there's these two people who are trying to steal something from there. They seem like bad people. One of them is called Miss Wednesday, <gasps> um, and the other one's a dickhead. I can't remember. He has some powers, but um. They get they they this episode, it's like a two episode thing. They deal with these guys. They 
rope them up and they're like, right, you're coming with us because we're going to dump you at the next island because we can't leave you with the whale thing because the whale's a cool dude. Luffy fights him. He punches him. He tells the whale, I'll fight you again someday. We need to have a rematch because the whale's like a bit depressed. Okay. And he's trying to give him a reason to live, I guess. Yeah. To fight him again. This doesn't matter. They go they from there they end up on this island. And it turns out this island that loves pirates turns out they don't love pirates. Turns out they're actually a whole bunch of people who belong to an organization called Baroque Works. Baroque Works, right? And it turns out the two people they captured are actually um working for them. They're part of Baroque Works. And they're like, you know, luring pirates in where they then kill them and take all their money and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't work out for them though, because, you know, that these people are trying to capture the Straw Hats pirates. But plot twist upon plot twist, it turns out Miss Wednesday isn't all she seems. And her best buddy, who's this big guy who wears like a judge's wig, um, they're actually, she's actually a princess of a kingdom called Alabaster. And she's been infiltrating Baroque work, Baroque works because their leader, Mm. is currently trying to wage a war in Alabaster. He's been puppeting things from behind the scenes, causing a civil war, stopping rain from falling, causing civil unrest, but behind the scenes, so no one knows who's behind it. And she's been trying to find out the name of the person who's behind it all. She's trying to figure out who's at the top of the Baroque works. She knows they've infiltrated the kingdom, but she doesn't know to what capacity. Um, And, you know, she ends up, like, you know, basically getting the help of Luffy and Mm. the gang, and joining the crew. She's actually, her real name is Nerfatari Vivi. <laughs> so she's going to be the big character that's in, in the next series of the live action show. Yeah. She'll be like the one who joins the crew that series. Yeah. And she ends up teaming up with them to head to Alabaster to take down the real villain of the series, who is a guy called Crocodile, or Mr. Zero. He's the head of the Baroque Works. Um, they're the ones, you remember in the live action series, that guy comes up to Zoro at the start and he's all like, <laughs> join our organisation and Zoro fights him and slices him in half. Yeah. He was Mr. Seven from Baroque Works. Oh, mm. okay. Yeah, you never saw that encounter in the anime, I don't think, unless they show it later. But he mentions that one of their guys came to him once to try and get him to join their organisation. And he was like, nah, fuck you. I'm going to, I don't work for anyone. I'm a bounty hunter. He's cool and stuff. Um, but anyway, the rest of the series is them trying to get to Alabaster to help beat up Crocodile. Luffy just wants to beat him up because he's heard about him and he's, he's this guy's a bit of a dick. He's causing a civil war and they're going to end up just destroying the entire kingdom with what he's doing. He's basically stopped it raining there. It's like a desert kingdom. And when it hasn't rained for quite a few years, that's obviously a bit of a problem. There's no water. Um, but when they're in the Grand Line, they discover how they have to navigate there. The Grand Line's messed up. Weather changes all over the place. There's no way compasses are basically useless. They have a thing called a log pose. But when they get to an island... They have to stay on the island for a certain amount of time and the log post calibrates to that island and points towards the next one that they need to go to. So it's like it's like it makes that island the South Pole and it will point towards the North Pole. That's that another island, if you get what I mean? Oh, okay, okay. So it uses... It, the islands are the, are the... Yeah, they've all got weird magnetic pulses. Okay. So they end up having to skip from one island to the other. So that's how the journey goes in the Grand Line. They never know where they're going next. They just know they're heading in the one direction around this belt it's around the middle of the the planet and they might go on completely different routes to everyone else because there's all sorts of different islands along the way. Um, so they end up in one kingdom called Drum Island, which is where they... Um, th- there's, the first one they go to is they go to this big old island that's got like a skeleton on it. 
mm. like a giant dinosaur skeleton. And Zora and Sanji are trying to catch the biggest dinosaur they can to as a competition. But meanwhile, there's these two giant Vikings. They're like literally like 200 foot tall, which naturally distracts Luffy. He thinks it's the coolest fucking shit he's ever seen in his life. And they just get up and fight each other all the time. Yeah. And they've been fighting for like 100 years and they're not entirely sure why they started fighting. They just know eventually it's a thing their kingdom does. Whenever someone's got an argument, they go find a deserted island. They fight until one of them dies. Um, and then they bump into some Baroque Works guys on the way and there's like a team up. And it goes on for about seven episodes where they deal with it. You know, they work with the giants and one of the giants gets killed. Or does he? No one ever fucking dies in One Piece. <laughs> it's one thing I'm learning now. Doesn't matter how final someone's death looks in One Piece, they just dead. turn up again later. They're fine. Yeah. They just brushed it off a little bit, had some meat, they're fine. Had a sandwich. Had a bit of a, ch- a, bit of a, ch- yeah. a sandwich. One guy gets blown up in an explosion that's like nuclear grade and he just turns up again later. It's a bit singed. Yeah, he's fine. Luffy gets stabbed through the chest with a hook. Um, and left in the desert in some sinking how sand. How did he get the weird scar? That's not really... Apparently that doesn't even... You don't really know how he gets the scar. No. There's a shot where something's fired at him and it looks like it passes through him, but the amount of times he's been stabbed over the course of the show... Yeah. Yeah. Zoro's scars are consistent. He always has the one across his chest and he has one across his feet from where he tries to cut his feet off in this um, Viking Island one because he gets trapped in wax. One of the villains in Baroque Works can make things wax... We can fire wax at people and build things out of wax and mm. case people in wax and all this sort of thing. Because um, all of them have got some sort of special crazy ability. One of them throws paint out and the paint like changes their mood. So she paints the floor a colour. When Luffy steps on it, he just loses all interest in fighting oh. and collapses. Um, stuff like that. But that's the whole thing. Then there's the whole Drum Island story, which is like a um, Nami's ill. They need to find a doctor. They go to this Drum Island place. There's an old crazy witch lady doctor there, and she's got a little buddy who looks like a reindeer. Hmm. And that's Tony Tony Chopper, our new buddy, who's going to be interesting how they do him in the live-action series, because he is just a little cartoony mascot-looking reindeer thing. Hmm. Um, He's good. He can change shape. He can go really big and buff. He can turn into a regular deer. He can get long legs and jump around loads. He's got magical powers. But they have a whole adventure there as well. They fight some big guys, a snowy island. They have to climb up this mountain. Luffy climbs up the mountain with Sanji and Nami hanging off his back because they've both been injured and she's ill and dying. It's a good arc. Um, that's where you meet the Kureha, who's the character that um, Jamie Lee Curtis wants to play, apparently. It'll be perfect. She's well, like a massive fan of One Piece. Yeah, she's a big One Piece nerd. She's a big nerd. Yeah, she is, yeah. Um, but then you get to the Alabaster, the actual story, and that's like 30-odd episodes. Yeah. It's the first time you have a really big arc in One Piece and 30 odd episodes is actually kind of short for what's coming up on One Piece because like there's the Dressarosa arc later on it's like a two it's like apparently it takes like 48 hours to watch the Dressarosa arc so what is Dressarosa that's like way later that's the whole thing it's a whole thing way later but the Alabaster one yeah they you know they go into expose crocodile they have to travel across the desert and get to places and all this sort of stuff you know they Find out where Crocodile is. Turns out he stays in this giant casino. It's got a big crocodile on top of it. Probably a bit of a hint. Probably should have headed there first. Yeah. Um. He's got devil fruit powers though. Oh. He can turn to sand. Oh. So how is Luffy going to fight him? If he hits him, he just poof, turns into sand. Water. Yeah. He uses water. Yeah. Just like uh, Spider Man. He uses wet. He uses sweat. At first, he um, because he loses two fights to 
crocodile. First one, he gets his ass kicked, but he figures out when his hands bleed and he can grab him. Oh, right, yeah, the uses blood. blood, yeah. yeah. Um, second, so he, later on, he gets like a load of water, fills himself up with it, so he's just like a balloon. And he's like got a hole in him from where he got stabbed. And the water just starts spurting out the hole. Does his wound never heal? It does eventually. But he, he, you know, he's like he gets up and carries on fighting, even yeah, though he's not true. fully healed. Um, but he's like squirting water all over himself, so he's got it on his hands and trying to fight him. Almost wins until crocodile punches. Like crocodile can suck the water out of people. Uses oh. the sand to dry him up like a desert, and he leaves Luffy like, you know, in a broken mess on the floor, all dehydrated and all that. But um, crocodile's also got a buddy with him. He's got a second in command. Uh, miss all Sunday and she's got a power to make limbs and body parts appear out of anywhere so like if she gets in a fight she makes all these arms come out of people's backs and grab them and put them in full Nelsons and chokeholds and stuff <clears throat> or um, you know, if someone's flying through the sky there's like a flying dude turns into a hawk and flies and she just like wraps her arms around his wings so he can't fly and then crashes him into the ground and stuff like that but um, that's Nico Robin oh, cool. she joins the crew they don't know she's joined the crew until a couple episodes later she just like waltzes out and goes, hi, I'm here now. <laughs> I'm one of you guys. Yeah. And they're like, why are you on here? We can't get anywhere without you because you're stuck in the middle of the ocean. And she just like makes friends with everyone really quickly, even though she's murdered loads of people. Oh yeah, but of course. So turns out she was using Crocodile to get to something. Well, I mean, everybody uses Crocodile to get somewhere. It's really good art. It's loads of big moments. Smokers, the like run chasing after Luffy for a little bit. He's your favourite, isn't he? He's the guy that's going to be one of the main guys in the new series. I don't think they'll rush through Smokers stuff, because Smokers like... The whole thing... What The second series is part of One Piece. Alabaster is the first time you get the whole what is the main theme of One Piece, Mm. which is that rich people will always go out of their way to maintain their own wealth at the expense of the little people, and it's up to the little people, the poor people who have nothing to work together to form a revolution, as it were. To rise up. And Smoker's part of the Marines, and he kind of just wants to fight pirates. He loves fighting pirates, because he saw Goldie Roger getting executed, and it inspired him. That He said, that's a real pirate. None of these other fuckers are worthy of that. So he wants to fight a real pirate, and he seems to be picking up that Luffy might be. Yeah, because Luffy's like... Luffy's kind of cool. Yeah. Always a bit of a nutter. Yeah. But um, Smoker turns into Smoke. So Luffy can't really fight him either. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's a whole thing with him. They're not going to rattle through his arc too early because I think it's. I don't think they're going to do that on the live action show too quickly. They'll just do his part in Alabaster and the Logue Town stuff. Where they the second series is going to be interesting though because if they're going to do the Alabaster arc, they can't they can't stick to that two episode format no. they've been doing because each one's been like two episodes per story. Yeah, but so far like the longest arc they've had is like fifteen episodes, and they you know the whole. Nami's Island one. They shut that down into like a, a two-hour block by skipping over a lot of stuff, but they couldn't do that with Alabaster. That'd have to be that'd have to be like half the series. I think if they've got the original creator on board, they they'll find a way to honour yeah. the pre the, the manga. I think the anime. I think what they'll probably do is the first two episodes will be the Logetown bit and the whale stuff. Mm. And then they'll probably skip over the island with the giant guys. And have some other way of Nami getting sick and do Drum Island for two episodes. And the rest of the series will be Alabaster. Like four, six episodes of that. But, um, yeah, the, but yeah, the series has been great. This, this, like, there's a lot of moments that are like are really friggin' cool. Luffy's awesome. Everyone believes in him. You know, you get the whole thing where he's obsessed with making sure their dreams come true. 
He still doesn't know anyone's backstory, I've noticed. Well, he doesn't mm. ask questions. He just no. asks them what they want. Yeah. Which is always nice. He's All he's more concerned about is making sure what they want to have happen happens. And that's why he loves them on the team, and he lets them on the team, and then um, he punches bad guy a lot. Yeah. Um, meets brother in the second series as well. Hmm. Monkey D Ace, Portus D Ace. Oh, cool. Um, but what is the mystery behind the initial D in his name? Apparently that's a thing. Um, that's still not been answered in the anime. The D? Yeah, Nico says you've got the initial D in your name, and it's the the will of D. Gold D. Roger had it in his name. There's Portus D. Ace, and his dad, his granddad. You remember Monkey D. Garp? Yeah. There's something about the D, apparently. You don't just get it, you earn it, apparently, in your name. Because you know they keep calling Gold Roger Gold Roger. Yeah. But his name wasn't Gold Roger, it was Gold D. Roger. But it's a whole thing. And it first starts coming up in here, and Ponyglyphs start coming up as well, which is like this ancient writing that seems to reveal some secret history of the world. That's what Crocodile was really after. There's a big old one in Alabaster mm. he wants. Um, that's something to do with the erased history. There's like a there's like a couple hundred years of the planet's history that's been erased from records, and people don't know why, though they don't know it's happened. And you're going to find out what's, what, what the deal with that is. Um, probably a time when pirates ruled the world or something, and the Marines what, took them out. I ruled the world. But, I opened up my eyes and ruled the um, world. But yeah. I'm Texas looking forward to that. Looking forward to the live action tackling. The whole if they do the Buster Rock similar way to this, it's going to be freaking epic. Yeah. Like when he fights the final fight with Crocodile is amazing. When he beats him and launches him miles into the freaking sky and hmm. starts playing um freaking digest um just what's his name just to voice New World Order. As Luffy's like won the battle. Yeah. And saving the day. And then it has like this one episode afterwards, which is just them having a big old party and celebrating, and it's just nice and everyone's relaxed. And the last bit with Vivi's amazing because she doesn't stay on the crew, she has to stay behind. She chooses to stay in Alabaster and help them rebuild. Oh. But the way she says goodbye to them is just like proper good emotional shit. Yeah. And it's like a nice send off. And then because of the way these series breaks down, there's then seven episodes of bullshit after that oh. before you get to the next. Official season, I guess. That's disappointing. Um, yeah, I've watched the films as well. I've been watching the first three films that take place before the end of season two, and they're good fun. Um, good gags, little mini stories that don't really fit in the canon properly. Like one of them, the only place it could have possibly happened is in like the ten minutes between them leaving Alabaster and finding out Nico Robin's stuck on board. <laughs> it's because Vivi's not there, Nico's not there. They mention stuff that happened in Alabaster. They don't mention Nico Robin at all. Somehow it fits in. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's got good gags in it, that, those movies, though. There's one where um, Nami's got a map and she's trying to light up the invisible ink under the map. Yeah. And she's lighting it and everyone's like, oh, here comes the message. And then it just cuts to a wide shot. And it just, poof, just burns in, burns up in like half a second, like it's flash paper. <laughs> it's like, <"Pff>, oh. <laughs> and then Usopp somehow managed to read the entire message. <laughs> He's all like, oh, God, if only we had the whole message. All I managed to catch was, and then he reads off like a a five-paragraph riddle that was on there. Um, it's good fun, that one. I like the Clockwork Tower one as well. There's like this big old tower that goes up into the sky and it's got a clockwork thing that keeps it balanced. Yeah. Um, and then Luffy blows it up because he's an idiot. Um, destroys the entire island. Um, but that's quite a fun one as well. Lots of Luffy being super strong. And Zoro cutting things. 
Yeah. yeah. I've got to watch the next movie now, because the next movie, the only place it could fit in is three episodes into season three. Apparently, it's, this is the thing. The movies don't fit in the canon very well until later on. Apparently, the last... like You know, they've done Gold and Stampede and Film Red and all that sort of stuff yeah. in the last few years. Those ones apparently very specifically fit in the timeline somewhere. But, like, the new, the early ones are just, like, made up ones for the film and they exist in a sort of universe that's not quite canon to the f- series of the manga. That's how it is with a lot of these things. Nice. You get it with Super Sentai and Kamen Rider as well, where a film will happen and it doesn't... It doesn't really fit prop- anywhere, yeah. Because they, they filmed it, like, five months before the show's got to that point. You know. Like, because I've been following My Hero Academia since, like, it started on the Shonen Jump app, like, it's weird watching, because I don't even watch the anime for that anymore, because it's not, I don't know, just, it's something about being so far behind, it is very strictly sticking to the story of the comics. But they're supposed to make filler episodes, and then but people can complain about the filler episodes. That's the thing, the movies are kind of the filler episodes. Yeah. It's kind of the same with Demon Slayer, you know Demon Slayer... Yeah, but everyone loves the Demon Slayer movies. Well, the Demon Slayer movie, Mugen Train, was actually an arc in the comics, but it was like a brief yeah. story, Yeah, and they fit out into a big thing but so I watched the My Hero Academia movies because they're nothing to do with the comics um, sorry the manga and the yeah. anime it's like a completely separate entity and it's fun them being like oh if we had this property this is what we do with those powers this is and I think it's kind of the same with One Piece it sounds like they're either recapping an entire series in a movie or they're doing a little side story. Yeah, One Piece is just it's just random stuff. Apparently, yeah. I think movie seven and eight are both recaps of the first two seasons. They're like reanimated versions because, yeah. like, the first one's the story of the Alabaster Kingdom story, mm-hmm. but cut down into a two-hour film, cuts out oh. loads of stuff. Yeah, but it's not just the episodes redone for the film. It's it's new animation, it's new story, new voice, new yeah, script. I was going to say it's the voice cast come back, don't they? Yeah, it's not it's not just like trimming the episodes down to make it fit into no. a movie awkwardly. They are. There's another one I think is about something about Tony Chopper. Yeah. But um, Tony, Tony Chopper. That's cool. But, but yeah, um, it sounds. Yeah. It, I, I mean, season three's got less episodes. That's the Sky Pier arc. Every time we talk about this, I think the thing that I'm I'm finding is that it's very much that energy that I got from Like a Dragon from Yuko's Like a Dragon. It's just like this real positive vibes, really fun time, and you seem very hyped, and it seems like you're enjoying it, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, it's good time. It is, yeah, Leafy and Casker are both. It's just good. good they're both energy. intended on making people happy. Yeah, and they'll punch people a lot along the way. Yeah. Although I don't know if you can get the straw hat costume in Like a Dragon. You can in um, you can in Like a Dragon Gaiden. There's a straw hat. There's a Luffy costume. You I was going to say this actually. Yakuza Like a Dragon. I unlocked a bunch of the Persona soundtrack. Yeah, I've unlocked um, Sonic Adventure soundtrack on yeah. the new one. I yeah, yeah, the Persona 5 soundtrack's on the end. Um, but yeah, no, One Piece sounds You can only cool. listen to it at the bar on that one, though, can't you? And in one of the menus. Yeah, in the new one you can play music on your phone as you're walking around. Oh, that's cool. And you can listen to podcasts as well. Sujapedia is so funny to me. All the podcasts are apparently all in Japanese. Yeah, there's no they subtitles. Don't have subtitles. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're even dubbed into English or anything. No, who fucking cares? Like, go for it. I think that's funny. It'd be funny if they did, like, like they put some English language podcasts yeah. on there, but they got, like, the nerd crew. <laughs> It's very cool. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just, it just sounds like fun vibes. Um, I've got to mention this in news, but it suddenly popped back to me. 
Um, did you hear about T-Pain's been hired because he's very active on the GTA 5 forums he's been hired by Rockstar to help them with GTA 6 to mod 6. their forums no he's like he's going to be helping them with GTA 6 is he and um, the reason that popped in my mind is that T-Pain did a did an a- Apple Music con uh, like um, uh, Apple Music concert recently yeah and he covered the song I Don't Wanna Be by Gavin McGraw the title track from One Tree Hill you know I don't wanna be anything other than what I've been trying to be lately because he's such a big nerd he's really into all that shit but anyway yeah so he covered War Pigs and Ozzy Osbourne recently um, recently took Kanye West to task because Kanye West is an anti-Semite and he um, basically ripped off a sample of War Pigs after asking Ozzy if he could use it. Oh, yeah, he got denied. And he got denied and he used it anyway. And uh, and Ozzy Osbourne's response to T-Pain using War Pigs was, this is the greatest cover of my music I've ever heard. Why was I not invited? <laughs> and I, just, I was thinking, be more like T-Pain. T-Pain's incredible. <laughs> Don't be like Kanye West. Be like T-Pain. Um... But anyway, sorry, my next review uh, is going to be Slow Horses, the Apple TV series about spies. Wait, how slow are these horses? They're quite slow. Um, it's it's uh, it's a series based on uh, a bunch of books um, called, like, Something House. It's like Slough House, the books. And the book series is, like, five, I think it's five books in total. And they're three series in, and they've already got a trailer for the fourth series, so that's coming this year, I think. Uh, but basically, it's a bunch of sli- it's a bunch of spies led by Gary Oldman, who um, plays a spy called Lamb, and he's just he's he's one of those people that's always like a step ahead of everyone else. He has like all the right answers and everything else, but he's just he he seems like a bumbling fat old idiot who uh, who people like constantly constantly um, constantly. No, that's not, not anything to do with Tinker Tailor's Taylor Soldier Spy. I don't think so. No. But they they constantly assume that he he has no idea what's going on and then he ends up solving everything and like knowing what's going on exactly. Oh. But um season 1, it's a really simple story. Uh one guy is sent to Slough House after he fucks up a big operation. Um and he becomes the he becomes like basically the audience surrogate and he's like finding out all about Slough House and Gary Oldman's character whatever his name is, Lamb. Um, and, and we follow him as he sort of attempts to stop a, an attack in London, a terrorist attack in London. And then season two, um, it's a very similar story, but it's uh, a Russian asset that was bought in in the 70s or 80s during the Cold War that they snuck into the UK and gave amnesty based on the information he could provide. But it turns out he was, he was sort of fucking them over so he'd get over into the UK and just just defect from the Soviet Union without actually giving any secrets so no one killed him uh, but little did he know that someone had had found him and they managed to poison him so he's basically on a suicide mission to just hurt everyone that he can that was involved in MI6 and the organisation that he wait Russian people poisoning shut up man uh, what they would don't, never don't get us poisoned you stop it right now because they will get us poisoned talk like that Putin will send someone... Put some rice in my freaking Greg's. Put some rice in your rice. Yeah. Because you won't notice it. Yeah, no. It's just an extra S-E-N. There's a lot of rice in this. (laughs) This rice tastes extra poisonous today. Um, And then season three, um, which which was kind of the most interesting season, was about a guy who wasn't a spy, wasn't involved in the spy organisation. He was actually like a consulate person that was just like like a diplomat. Who had some military background? His his wife was trying to leak it. Well, his girlfriend at the time was trying to leak a file, 
and she suspected that he was somehow involved with it when he just got like basically got given orders to go and find this file within the house. Hmm. Um, she attempted to leak it and was killed. And so he's he's on again. He's he's just basically on a suicide mission to reveal what happened and why it happened. And it turns out the recent um, head of MI6 was responsible for the orders to kill her. So she just goes like clean slate, just fucking destroy everyone. And uh, and it's like just incredible, just really good action, really solid storytelling. Six episodes every season. Oh, that's the right amount of episodes. Exactly. Just you. Bing, bang, in and out, six hours. Gary Oldman's great in all of it. He's Wait, six hour long episodes? No, Fuck six that. Six one hour long episodes. Fuck that. 25 minutes, <laughs> six episodes. Didn't you just talk about One Piece having 71 episodes in a season? Yeah. There's, and you there's, watched every episode. There's one later on, Crunchyroll says it's got 251 episodes in that one season. Yeah, yeah. Dressa arc split in two. Anyway, so season, so season three, season three is the one with the guy where he's like, you kill my girlfriend... And you're lying about it. You're saying you don't kill your own. And everybody who's in Gary Lamb's... Gary Oldman, Jackson Lamb. Jackson Lamb. That's now, how do you not know the name of his Thank character you. from Thank you. Slow Horses? So um, his, 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 like, his little team are like, people don't kill our agents. That's not how we do things. If someone has information they're trying to leak, we take that information, we make sure they don't leak it. We don't kill people. And then like you find out, yeah, the head of MI6 doesn't really work in the shadows that way they think that killing people at least stops things but it just creates more problems really so it's all this whole conversation about like how they manage when's it going to cross over with Reacher I don't know I hope it does soon what if they swap the roles and and Gary Oldman plays Reacher and and so the next series I'm very excited (laughs) for it set in the future no so it's uh, in the hood it's again it's like Spycraft but guess who the villain it's like a small village that basically these people are it, it seems like a cult or like a criminal organization. Oh, it's the villain West Country people. No. Oh. Hugo Weaving. Oh, sweet. Old Hugo Weaving. Like nowadays Hugo Weaving with the beard, the sinister oh. hairline. What if he'll do his Megatron voice? Oh, I fucking, I can't wait. I genuinely can't wait because it's such a good little trailer. It's like, it's like a little country Yorkshire village, but like everyone there is like doing something. They've been watching Wicker Man. I fucking love it. Uh, but yeah, really fun, really well produced. Like Apple TV seems to make really quality seasons of of TV hmm. that people just don't I still seem not to watch, watch Monarch. Yeah, Monarch's incredible. I got through the first five episodes and they went on a hiatus and I never picked it back up. Yeah, and I, need I don't to watch know the rest what... of it. Um, but I fucking loved Monarch because Kurt Russell's perfect. Like his son is doing a really good Kurt Russell impression. His son uh, is there also. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like when's he going to be back in the MCU? He's back in Thunderbolts. Oh, for fuck's And so. also uh, New World Order, the next Captain America. Not the same film? No, Thunderbolts is a different film. Oh, God. Um, no one wants to see a Thunderbolts film. I wouldn't mind if they had, like, a Red Hulk. A Red Hulk? They have got Red Hulk. Freaking... Harrison Ford. Well, Harrison Ford's playing him. Harrison Ford's going to be Red Hulk. <laughs> He's going to die before that's over. I know, I know, I know. He's, We're like, 900 years old. We'll just get Troy, Troy Baker to play him. Troy Baker? Troy Baker. Fucking... Like in that new video game. Mm. I'm Indiana Jones. I'm Indiana Jones. Part time. Come on, short round. Part time. I can do a good. Part time. I can do an Indiana Jones. Um, but yeah, slow horses. It's. Um, I will say that, like, 
Horses. Slow horses. Slow horses. Slow horses. Never going to win the Grand National. I would say that it does, It like, the formula wears out by the second season of, of like, Gary, of uh, Jackson Lamb being like, oh, not exactly what's happening. And the other guy going, like, we've got to stop these terrorists. And Jackson Lamb has no idea what's going on. That's what Reacher does, though. No, but Reacher, like, Reacher just solves the problem and everybody help, helps him solve does the Jackson problem. Does Jackson Lamb say anything like, in an investigation, details matter? Assumptions no, no, get people killed. Oh my god! You right. don't fuck. Okay. With, you don't mess with the so special investigations the, unit. There is a trope I really like yeah. in films, hmm. and it's not used often enough. It's the Home Alone prepping the house for oh, someone yeah, yeah. to invade, like at the end of um, Home Alone. Spectre. And Spectre. Yeah. yeah. There's a scene where Spectre? he's he's prepping he's prepping the house in the best possible ways. He's like. He's like going up the stairs and like doing his bumbling thing where he's spilling Pringles so that as they go up the stairs you can tell which step they're on because they're crunching I think crisps. Do it. No, what you should do is you prep the house but all your prep is you put a shotgun in front of every door and window and it's just like loads of bad guys open the door getting shotgun. <laughs> Next one just opens another door shotgun. He- <laughs> <laughs> Steps on a step shotgun swings down on a, on a string. <clears throat> paint can swings down they dodge the paint can then a shotgun comes up and shoots them. He, he has a thing where he's got the stairs hmm. And he's put like just shotguns. No, it's just like a just like a small thing that like like a small rolling pin. But it's more yeah. like you know like those weird round door handles you get in country houses where you just pull the door closed. You get the rolling pin, but he takes the little guiding rails <laughs> off the edges, and he gets different ones. Just Fucking gets the right psychos. height. Psychos. Yeah. No, I need to fall slightly to the right. So he puts but, the blue one on one side, red one on the other. But so then he gets he, he gets a little knife, hmm. jams it up through the bottom of the banister, and breaks the handle off. Hmm. So the guy's going up the stairs. And as he's going up the stairs in the pitch black because he's turned all the light. Jackson Lab's like broken all the lights he goes and steps on the rolling pin and then goes to grab the banister putting his hand up the banister saying ready and he just cuts his hand completely open on this knife and I was like oh god that's that's fucking horrible <laughs> you know like of all the things you see in a film there's something no, no, that like, he, ste- you. he steps on a nail and goes <laughs> he, he has he has a, backwards he has a nail on the door hmm. and then behind the door is a can of hairspray and a lighter and so when they kick the door open, it penetrates the, the, the can. And it just shoots flames out. Does he um, play angels with dirty faces? <laughs> yeah, filthy animal. It's just it's it's just quality, like fun Home Alone style antics, and I fucking love it. You can remake Home Alone as like an old man trying to protect his house. <laughs> yeah, well, there was that guy in America that rigged his. He was a he wasn't a prepper. He was. Uh, What's it called? Uh, a hoarder. And he, like, filled his house with shit. And then people were like, it smells. He's not paying his bills. Get him out of there. All right. And he was like, oh, the bank are coming for my house. So he prepped his house with 40 shotgun traps. Oh, sweet. That's All what right. I do. And, and, like, the bank went in. And obviously they set off one of these traps. And they were like, he's a fucking psychopath. He's prepped all these traps. And they eventually started dismantling all the traps and getting into the house. They found them crushed under a stack of newspapers. <laughs> Which newspapers? I don't know, but mm. but there was stuff like there was a specific like in the fridge. If you open the fridge and you took out a certain beer, it wasn't the first one. But if you took out a certain beer, it's a shotgun. It's <laughs> like a light switch. If you turn the light switch on, it'd be fine. But if like you turn it off, a shotgun. That's good. That's, <laughs> that's good prepping. I don't want. I don't mind them Be coming like what, in. Um, Jigsaw did in the first Saw film. I don't mind them coming in. But they leave. Do you remember that? Because everyone goes the Jigsaw. He comes stick. up with such good traps. He just got one where a shotgun blows the guy's There's head. A step with shotguns underneath it, and you tread on the step. And the shotguns blow your head off. 
This is uh, oh wow, he's actually so clever. He only does it to the people who um who deserve it, doesn't he? That's yeah. The- yeah. And one of the things that makes me laugh is like there's that really fat guy in Why's the Why has he razor- got a pig mask? There's a really fat guy in the razor wire. <laughs> yeah. And like he's got to crawl through it and it's like really digging into his body. And then Amanda's like, kill this guy. Kill this guy and get that key. It's like You You gave that guy an impossible task. He was wrapped up in razor wire. Trying to the, the razor wire thing and he, he gets to the end and he turns gets up, turns around, and he sees there's like a pair of plies at the start. <laughs> they just missed. You were swore without checking your surroundings. But yeah, just uh, get through um, this room that's covered in Lego. But yeah, slow horses. Um, I'm going to be at Cape Blanchett. It's a classy, classy affair. It's really good. And it's got the guy from Fighting with My Family in it, the one who plays Paige's brother. You know, the guy who gets depressed. because No one remembers the other person in Fighting with My Family that it's, wasn't Florence Pugh. He's the guy. Nick Frost. Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Lena Headey. Lena Headey, yeah. Fucking Nick Her Frost. brother. <laughs> But yeah, her brother in Fighting With My Family, he's the one who plays the agent in Slow Horses. Really good. Schleppo. Schleppo, yeah. Schleppo. Yeah. Beppo de Schleppo. Famous Italian actor. He had that weird dribbly voice. He was like... I'm addicted to alcohol. I'm playing Soraya's brother. No one remembers her brother. Well, I did. Oh, Paige. This is real word. Name's Soraya. Didn't she have a sex tape? Yeah, yeah, that was a bit messed up, that whole thing. Yeah, it was. Because, like, no one cared about the guys, the wrestlers that were in it. She was the one that apparently was the one who should have been shamed, not them. Didn't she get kicked out of WWE for that? No. Oh. No, she stayed working there for ages. All right. Um, but she was, I don't think she was in like She was injured at the time or something. But, um, yeah, she married, like... Um, Booker T. Wrestler... Not Booker T. Um, no, she married... Um, Mexican wrestler, I can't remember his name, but he was like super abusive to her and stuff. Oh, and he's like basically blacklisted in wrestling nowadays. Um, but she's in AEW. Oh. Because she's got like, she has a neck injury and she's not supposed to wrestle. But in AEW, they just like, they have a doctor that seems to just clear people, regardless of what neck injuries they have. So probably don't, not worried so much as they are in WWE. Yeah. But yeah, still, um, really good. And I got dark at the end because we started talking about sad things. Do you remember when Florence Pugh um, offended an entirety of America by daring to show her boobs in a 15 certificate film? What film? In Oppenheimer. Oh, I don't know. She shows her boobs in an R-rated 15 certificate film and oh my God, what if people see that? Is he friggin'... Do you see Cillian Murphy's ass? In that film as well. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Do you get any ball sack? I can't remember. I think he's the sort he would show a bit of ball sack, wouldn't he? Well, at the end of at the end of Saltburn, you see that guy's full cock and balls dancing around the place. Oh, Eric yeah. O'Hagan. Yeah. Did you watch that film? No, I don't watch it. Uh... It's actually not bad. It's weird. And I didn't like it because it was like... Because uh, you found it arousing. No, it's the, like a... Well, the I the mean, bathtub he, thing. He's pretty good looking. Van Kagan. In a weird way. He kind of looks like a Jim Henson creature. Yeah, he does a little. He bit. looks like um, Hoggle. It's Hoggle. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you spraying those fairies? What do you expect me to do? Oh, um, one of my favourite lines in the whole labyrinth is, you know, who's the big d- Ho- Hogor, Ho- yeah. Hodor, and he's uh, and it's like, remember, this is the this is the river of river of, the bog of eternal bog stench. of eternal stench, and he and he goes, he's walking across the thing, and he just goes, smells bad. <laughs> 
I'm like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. And then he goes, Lucy, friend. <laughs> Rocks, friends. He always, when I look at him, he always reminds me of Nigel Planer in The Young Ones. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, I see that. He's got that. Yeah. No, Rick, what are you doing, man? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm supposed to review something now. Oh, no, no, Last no, review no. of the podcast. Yeah. Um, I played Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. How's that going? I'm 40 hours into it, Jesus. and I'm only halfway through it. Oh my God. Because I ain't rushing anywhere. I'm taking my time. I'm walking around Hawaii. Anyway, this game, I don't want to... You can't, I mean, I can't spoil go for it. stuff that's happened. Go for it. It doesn't Right. So, I saw someone reviewing the review on Steam, where they gave this two stars. They said the storyline's cringe, and they hadn't played it for long, so I'm pretty sure they didn't get past the first chapter. Oh, probably an incel. Yeah, because this game starts off in Yokohama, right? Yeah. And this is how you know what well, you know the people who don't like positivity things, right? Yeah. Really touching the first few hours of this game, man. Um so Casca's been work started working at Hello Work and he's oh, yeah. cleaned up and he's specializing in helping former Yakuza people find work. Oh. Because the stuff that's gonna happen in Like a Dragon that's gonna mean there's a lot of Yakuza needing jobs. Yeah. Right? So you know, they've got criminal records, but he finds ways of giving them work that helps them. There's one guy comes in, he's all, like, angry at him. He says, no, everyone told me you'd give me work, and he thinks he needs to bribe him and stuff like that. And Casca teaches him a lesson. It's not about the money. Like, the guy throws his money into the river, mm. and Casca dives in after it to get it back for him. And he's like, I thought you were going to steal that from me. He says, no, it's your money, man. Take your money. You need this. You haven't got any money left. And he helps him get a job. And because he tells him what he needs to do, he's like, you need to come back with the right attitude. And he comes back the next day and he's like had his hair all cut and shaved his beard and he's got a suit and everything. And he's like, he comes in and is polite and answers all the questions without getting angry and everything. And Casa gets him a job stealing stuff from shops. Um, he's working for Adachi Security Company, where basically Adachi gets hired by shops to see, to expo- exploit blind spots in their security. So he's going around stealing stuff where the blind spots are to show that the shops haven't got good enough CCTV coverage and stuff like that. Good use yeah. of a former Yakuza guy. He's like, yeah, it's fucking easy. Um, so that's like a really uplifting start to it. But then you get the rest of the plot starts kicking in. And it's like, Kasuga wants to ask Psycho out on a date. Because, you know, they, they flirt a bit in the previous game. There's, yeah. there's a girl. And you spend like the first two hours of the game getting him ready for a date, going on the date, doing the right things. That You have to, you know, try and make it go as well as possible. And he kind of he kind of goofs up a bit at the end. Silly boy. And then just when his day can't get any worse, some video girls out on the internet accusing Kasuga of um keep it get, of doing dodgy backroom dealings to get Yakuza people jobs and get them into the workplace. And it has footage of his mate stealing stuff as part of a job. Someone was recording it. <gasps> There's someone behind all this stuff. Oh no. Right? Kasuga's life's rock bottom. In the process, it took out Namba, it took out Adachi, because they're both doing jobs that are helping people out. Um, Namba's been helping out a hospital, and Adachi's got his security company. They get dragged into it, and, you know, it ruins everyone's life, and Casca's kind of feeling shitty about it. But then a bunch of Yakuza buddies, you know, who are working for Daijoji, the group that Kiri works for, and they're trying to sort out... They've got their own thing going on where they're getting Yakuza people into work. I'm pretty sure I've figured out what the story's going to be coming up. But, um... They go, Kasuga, hey, going to tell you a little bit of information. You know what? Now Arakawa's not around right now. Stuff's happened. You know that mum we've told you about? The one that died years ago? Not dead, living in Hawaii. 
And he's like, we're going to send you to Hawaii. All we need you to do is go to Hawaii, give her, talk to her, give her whatever you need to give her, just tell her a message and whatnot, go find her. And you go out to Hawaii, and she's nowhere to be seen. But a load of people are after her. you got, like, a Yakuza guy after her. you got the Chinese mafia. you got a Mexican mafia. Like, Kiryu's been sent over there by the Daijoji to find her. Something's going on. What's going on? You don't know. She's vanished. Her how, her her maid, Chitose, drugs you and dumps you in the sea. <laughs> and you end up washing up on the shore naked and getting arrested by the police. Because, uh, you know, you had nothing. Good work, Kasuga. <laughs> so, like, his first day in Hawaii doesn't go well. It ends a bit of a mess. And then, you know, you do what Kasuga does. You make friends with people, like the woman who drugged you. And the yes. guy who held you at gunpoint the moment you got to Hawaii, you got mugged as oh. well. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Side point. Yeah, so you make friends with them. They join your back gang. You start finding out what's going on. You start following the trail of Akane, his mother, to find out where the hell she's gone and what the deal is and why so many people are after her. Why Danny Trejo's face is after her, not the rest <laughs> of Danny Trejo, because his voice isn't in the game. Oh, of course. <clears throat> Even in the English dub, his voice isn't in the game. I love it. Because um, they wanted to hire YouTubers for the English dub, I guess. But um, this game's fantastic. It is like top-notch, friggin' Yakuza stuff. Like a dragon stuff now. Ryogakotoku mm. 8. It's just called Ryogakotoku 8 in, 8 in Japan. Oh, really? Yeah, Infinite Wealth's a Western thing. Um, it's a big old love letter to games as well. Like the, it doesn't mention Dragon Quest ever. I guess they haven't paid Square Enix for the license to mention Dragon Quest in this one. Because that was... They are credited... Oh, in, are they really? Yeah, like in like a Dragon Seven, they're credited. Oh, right. Um, I guess they didn't for this one because they never mentioned Dragon Quest, but they mention other stuff. Oh, okay. But now your Sujimon's advanced. You're not just filling out your Sujimon data. You remember how you fill out your Sujimon decks, oh, my your Suji decks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Kasuga went and deleted it, and the guy didn't have a backup on the cloud. Of course, of course not. It was all on your phone, so you need to fill that out again. But he finds out you're going to Hawaii, and you know what? There's a lot of perverts in Hawaii. There's a lot more Sujimon you could collect up. The Suji Dex has expanded. You're not just collecting up the Suji Dex data, though. You need to recruit some of these Suji Dex, right? <laughs> and take part in a series of battles. 3v3 battles with your... I've got a Kung Fu guy. I've got a giant muscly cosplayer wearing a anime mask. I've got a guy with a chicken head. Um, so, I've won the first gym badge. Great. There's, there's, the, um, there's these four leaders and then their king. Yeah, you got to defeat them all over yeah, the course. course. You got to ca- you got to collect up all the Sujimon, obviously, yeah. Yeah. as well. Um, to get a Sujimon, sometimes when you win a battle, one of the guys you fight will stay behind. And so what you do is you have to get a present. You get Suji Dex pre- Suji presents, right? And this meter starts filling up really quickly, and you've got to hit it when it's at the top to put the most effort possible into giving the guy your present. Like if you get it at the bottom, Casca's just like, yeah, fucking have that, and just chuck it on the floor. If you get at the top, he gets down his knees and he slowly presents it to him, passes it on, bows to them. And then you've got to mash the button to tell them how much you want them on your team. So they'll pick it up and they'll go, yeah, I'll join your team. Um, so that's your Sujimon battle things. I've done the first gym. I'm on the way to the second one now. Well um, you can only train up to level 10 until you beat the first gym, then you can go up to level 20. Um, you've got to improve your bond with them as well. And you can like, you can sacrifice other Sujimon. You feed them to... The more powerful Sujimon to boost their stats. Can you, Don't can worry you, about what happens to them. They're just they're, can you it's fine. Sujimon? No, they, you you. It says you feed them. Okay. It says you feed them other Sujimon of the same type to boost their stats. 
It says, don't worry about it. <laughs> so basically... The deed from, is done, it says, when you've done it. They've gone from Dragon Quest to Dragon Quest Monsters. You can become a Sujimancer. One of the jobs is Sujimancer, where you'll pick out one of your Sujimon and send him into combat. <laughs> it is It is just It's just Dragon Quest Monsters, isn't it? But, um, there's more to it, though. Um, I've also gone to Dondoko Park now, which is like oh, a yeah. big old Animal yeah. Crossing style. You're running a park, building it up, repairing it, smashing rocks, chopping down trees... Getting you smash up rubbish to get materials like cloth and yeah. things to build build nice items that people come to your village. I've built like a toilet. I had like an outdoor toilet, and then I built a proper big, like one of the big brick ones. Yeah. Um. I built like a big old shitty shop that's in an office block that looks like it's come from Camarocho. Nice. Just like dumped it in the bin. Um. I've got all sorts of stuff. I've got signs, got benches, mismatched benches, got lights. I've put up. Um, I can build all sorts of stuff. I'm going to build some nice stuff. You've also got your own house that you can How decorate. How has this been in production for? Only three years? Yeah, something like that. Jesus. And they did like a dragon guide at the same yeah. time. Oh, and uh, they remade Ishin. Ishin. Yeah, that got remade, yeah. But, um, Jesus. Yeah, but um, I'm doing that. Yeah, I need to do more of the Dondoko Park because it definitely seems like that's your make loads of money thing. Because yeah. when you've done the first like you get the like first you say I got like, yen I got ten thousand dollars for doing the first bit because oh, all it's your money's dollars in this, isn't yeah. It? yeah yeah all your money you've got in the first cup first two chapters gets converted to dollars when you get oh, to okay. when you get to Hawaii um, you don't get to Hawaii until chapter three it's like okay. you spend quite a while in um in yeah, Yoko in Yokohama Yokohama yeah. it's not even like a cut down version of it as well it's, it's like the whole version. the whole map from the yeah. first game um they've tweaked some things like the the underground shop's gone and stuff, but like it's only like the little side stuff that didn't really matter. Yeah. The actual main map is entirely there. And you go around quite a lot of it in the course of those first two chapters. That's cool. Um Yeah. There's no, I think you go back there at some point and I'm pretty sure you're gonna end up going to some other places as well. Yeah, I think that there'll probably be something where there's like a mini game there as well. I you know, it sounds like they've fully done it. But there's still like loads of characters I haven't got in my squad yet. Because they're so, all on the cover. I'm assuming all the guys on the cover are in there. What's the size of the pie that you have in this one? Is it still just four? Yeah, but you can switch out a guy when you want mid-battle. So oh, really? Switch oh, them out for cool. another guy, yeah. But you, I've only, you, only have, one, you? you only have four people in your party until Chapter 7. Yeah. Um, I've only just got, like, like five people in total oh, okay. for it. Um, are there any hidden characters that you're I don't know. I don't know yet. I'll find out. Maybe, probably, maybe get one from Dondoko Park, because it's, it's the equivalent of the... Like Ichiban Senbei yeah. Corporation thing, it's like that's that's your mini game. But the Sujimon thing's pretty awesome though, because I'm working on that. <laughs> I've got like three. You get three karate dudes at the start. This makes me really happy because it's when you think about like all those people that were like, "Give us Shemu free. Hmm. We need Shemu free." And say you were like, "Nah, fuck it, too expensive." And then these Yakuza guys come along and go like, "We we reckon we got something here." And they're like, "All right." They've made Shemu, but it's like insane. I did. I saw someone. Put, some, I watched a video clip online from one of the Yakuza games, and someone in the comments saying, "Every time I see a video clip on this, I can't tell if this is actually in the game or someone's weird mod." And it's like, "Yeah, no, this is the game." Yeah, yeah. If, it's a, if it's a Yakuza game. Do you remember sure. the the Dappy guys? Dappy guys. The Nappy guys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So anyway, there's a storyline in this where you find this old man. He's going to a snow cone company. Yeah. He keeps going to all the snow cone shops and he gets banned from them because he's blowing snow cones and throwing them in the air. Yeah. And letting them letting all the ice land on him and you think he's got some weird pervert thing, but it turns out his wife is very ill and she's dying and she always wanted to see snow again. They went to Japan oh. when they were married and she saw snow. Now they're living in Hawaii, haven't seen snow, so he's trying to find a way of recreating snow. Yeah. Anyway, one thing links to the to another. A lady. Um, 
when accidentally lets a carriage go that her baby's in yeah. and you have to chase after it. It's running away through Hawaii and you're chasing after the carriage. It does the whole friggin' Battleship Potemkin Odessa Steps bit with the or Untouchables if you're younger. Um, so you get it and lo and behold, the baby's the Yakuza guy in his nappy. Um, in the course of helping, of dealing with them, Right, and you beat up his Yakuza, but his buddies who are also in the nappies. They've come to Hawaii for a nappy holiday. All right. You find out that the fluff that's inside diapers... It's very similar to snow. No, when it when it combines with water, it fluffs up. Oh, okay. And is like snow. So what you have to do is you then go to the hotel the guy's staying at with his wife, who's dying, and as she's dying and saying her final goodbyes, you're on top of the roof throwing nappy powder stuff off and it's like incredibly sad because she she dies she fucking has her final words and she's sad and she gives her final message to her husband and there's all sad and all the snow's coming through the window but it's like nappy fluff and you're on top of the building with these three yakuza guys in nappies <laughs> and they're like ripping the nappies off because they've reused it because they need more <laughs> they're just like nude by the end of it so anyway, so this game sounds incredible. Yeah. It's just more of that energy. It's more of that energy and that creativity. Yeah. And- There's a crazy taxi clone in it. Oh um, you do you get job roped into a delivery company and their whole gimmick is that you have to do crazy stunts. Um, it's, it's, I rode up the side of a building and did a backflip off it. Like, perfect. Um, it's pretty crazy. It's the the bike the tack bike things mate. I've got an S rank on my first try, so I was like, I'm done with that now. Yeah. Um, that earned me some money. I haven't gone back to it since. Um, yeah, there's, they've got like elite bad guys around town that all they they stay there all the time until you beat them. They're usually guarding like a treasure chest or something. Oh, okay, cool. Um, there's a new dungeon area. I think there's another one because there's a bit early on where you know the homeless park. That you know the homeless park you're in at the start of the seven. Yeah, yeah. they've sort of rep- they've sort of reclaimed some building that never got completed at the back, and it's like a tower now. Okay, of just like cobbled together shit. Yeah. And they mention about how oh, it's probably all sorts of weird stuff going on inside there. I think you're going to go back to that when you get to Yokohama. I think that's going to be... Well, that's probably the... You know, the I think that's going to Gaijimau? be the dungeon. The Gaijimau? No, oh, they got them. Gaijin. You've not dealt with them yet. On well, the I know I did deal with them, but they could always come back. No, no. They, they, um, no they're, they're called... Um, I can't remember. It's not, it's not pronounced how, you, how it looks like. It's, it's G-I- G-I-J-I-N. Yeah, they call them Geojin, but it's not. It's pronounced like um, something else. No. Korean thing, isn't it? Gaojin. Gaojin. But... Um, yeah, that's going to be the dungeon, I reckon. But yeah. there's a dungeon in Hawaii as well. I've done one stage of that. Um, there was, there was the giant Roomba's back as well. Yeah, because the only the only places oh, the giant Roomba, did you say? Yeah, you remember yeah. the giant Roomba you fight in the dungeons, but there's also a subplot where you help the guy develop it. Oh, yeah. I've also that's back. He's trying to improve it because um, he wants to give it human thought. Do you remember? He wants to make it sentient. So I don't know how long ago it was you played your kids like a dragon, but the only the only um, central building that you go up through the back of the... You've got, like, the few um, residential areas. So you've got, like, mm. the little shop out the front. You go up around the back of it, and it takes you to their, like, weird temple. Oh, there's a Chinese the temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I keep, That's I, the Chinese mafia. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you keep going back to them, and uh, that feels a bit like a dungeon, because you've always got the placement. It's not really explorable, but you just go... No, your the dungeon, you should have had the dungeon. Oh, it's now. the building, isn't it? The office It's the sewers. No, you go in sewers. There's a whole bunch of sewers. That's your random dungeon. Oh, the one where you get captured and you're chained up. Yeah, we end up going to and the sewers to and fight the... through it. There's... You fight through the sewers twice. There's two separate lots of sewers. Oh, there. right. Yeah. Okay. 
But um, but there's the office building as well. You know the one where the shutters go down. Possibly. And you've got to fight through the different that's buildings. Just, and you've that's got just a standard Yakuza thing. They're working yeah, your is, way up yeah. through a building. Yeah, it is. Have you taken a photo of all the um? I haven't done the any weird photos, frog though. things. I haven't done any photos. You got to take photos. Oh, okay. There's like there's the weird common they're called the frog things with the duck bills. Oh, okay, weird little platypuses. monsters. They're like not platypuses, but they're cider kamek things or whatever they're called. Oh, okay. Take photos of those statues. They'll, that's a thing. That's a sub sub mini plot thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, this this game is fantastic so far. Hawaii looks great. It's massive map. Like yeah. it's bigger than Yokohama. Yokohama's the biggest one before that, but this is yeah. bigger. It's wide. It's really wide. Okay, and you've got like, the whole beachfront and stuff, haven't you? Yeah, there's a whole beach. There's big old hotels. There's like friggin' loads of towers and stuff to walk around. Loads of hotels. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, I just walk around. You get a Segway you can drive around on. And you can customise it. You can pimp it nice. out. I've got flames on mine. Nice. Um, but there's also taxis and there's a bus you can get on and yeah. loads of loads of travel options around. But I, I just like, walk everywhere. Yeah, I was going to say, I just love running around the place. Oh, I always walk everywhere. Nice, nice and chill. Yeah. You've got flip-flops on. Um, what what class are you as uh, as Ichiban? Oh, Ichiban, I've just left him as his standard class. You haven't gone surfer? Nah. First playthrough, always keep it like the default classes. Yeah. I've unlocked the surfer class. Um, you go to a travel agent and you take up, you sort of pick out travel agent like, experiences. Oh, right. And, and that's they how you inspire your job. you. It inspires your job. Oh. Like, um, you go watch some dancers and it inspires Chitose for a um, ballerina themed. Nice. Or something. She's got a dancing theme. Um, um, and I've unlocked the Suji Mance is the only one you unlock by doing stuff when mm. you do the first gym, I think it is. But um, there's also a couple you get from a code you get in the game, but I don't think I can access them yet. One of them's like an American football. Oh, right, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and Kiryu's pretty cool on the team. I haven't unlocked his um, special power thing yet. That come, Apparently that comes so in chapter So is he one eight. of your four? Yeah, he's one of the main characters in this one. Okay, so you've got Kiryu, Ishiban, Psycho. Mm. No, they've all... Psycho and Dachi and everyone stay back in Yokohama. Oh, really? For now. Oh, that's shit. Stuff's yeah. happening. Yeah, I know. You, know, you like- make new friends when you get there. You make friends with Tomizawa and Chitose, the one who drugs you and the one who mugs you. Yeah. Um, they're the main thing in in Hawaii, but stuff happens. But you'll see your friends again. Don't worry. But it's just it's the, you'll see like your friends the whole again. thing that's nice about Yuku's. Don't like wait, the, the gang. The gang mates. gets back together. Don't worry. Okay. Don't worry. Their gang gets back together. But it's just it's nice that they're all mates. They are mates. But now Ichiban introduced him to all his other mates because he can't stop making friends. He's really good at it. I uh, I heard someone review this. I listened to a podcast where someone reviewed this, and they said. One of my favourite things about Yakuza, and one of the things that sums up Yakuza entirely, is uh, you turn up in uh, turn up in Hawaii, and a racist cop immediately finds you and he goes goes, uh, "We don't like your kind around here, basically." But does it in perfect Japanese. Yeah, <laughs> he's, there's a lot he's of so racist. He's learned Japanese. To there's breathe. a really good mixture of like, well, they've hired an American actor who clearly lives in Japan and can do an Amer- can speak American and Japanese. Yeah, but then you get characters like Tomizawa. Who tells you he's American? He's in Hawaii. He's he's Asian. He's like a Japanese person who lives in Hawaii. He's born in Hawaii. Yeah, like his family are Japanese and they've lived there. He's lived there his whole life. But every time he speaks English, it's the most broken English. <laughs> and one of the main characters in the game, like one of the bad guys that you come across, is like he's white as the driven snow. Like he's an American character, and he speaks perfect Japanese, and he can barely speak English. <laughs> And I was just like, I know they've got the dub version available, but I was like, I, hate I ain't dubs. putting the dub on. Yeah. Especially that Yongi guy voicing Kira. It's terrible. Mm. Um, 
could have got some good voice actors for it, couldn't they? At least tried. Try. The freaking first Yakuza game had Mark Hamill, freaking Michael Madsen. Like, it had like an all star cast, the first Yakuza game, when they dubbed that. Because the first one was dubbed, and then the game didn't sell so well, so the second one was subtitles only. But, um, freaking, yeah, it's, this game's perfect. It's freaking great. Combat's been tweaked. You've got tag team moves and combo moves and stuff now. Yeah. Why are you looking at freaking... And do you, like, in this one you've got, um, in the other one it was a bit random and someone attacked one of the no, enemies. they're always walking around. The you... Oh, like, there's yeah. the thing where they follow up moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's there. You, when you've bonded but with them enough. this one, can you, can you lob people other team members and they get follow up moves? If you, there's like a direction. When you attack an enemy, there's like an arrow that shows you what direction they're going to oh, fly okay. back. And yeah. So it tells you if they're going to hit a teammate or if they, if you, if you fire it towards one of your partners, they'll punch them down. But if you, later on, if you move next to your partner, you can do a double team move on the enemies as He's well as your, team. as well as your tag team move. Yeah. Tag team special thing. There's all sorts. There's lots going on. They can follow up attacks and all sorts. Hit them when they're down. Yeah. It's good stuff. Cool. What's your problem? Why are you holding up that still? I'm not holding anything up, Pat. Put it down. This isn't a visual podcast. No one knows what you're talking about. I know. Put down your terrible movie. 1999. Hmm. This is a widescreen presentation. Oh, wow. You got the widescreen DVD, not the full frame frame version. 235.1. Yeah. Uh, It's in region 2. And has Dolby Digital. It's a 5.1 surround soundtrack. Oh wow, crazy! It's one hour. And Does it have interactive menus? <laughs> That's my favourite special feature on DVDs. Interactive menu screens and chapter screens. Oh wow, chapter selection. Shit. Yeah. Director's 20 commentary. Twenty minutes of deleted scenes, including an alternative ending. Oh, who directed that film? Who directed this film? Yeah, only the legendary Thomas Lee. Well, who's that? Director of Supernova. Oh, right. <laughs> 2000 Supernova. And four episodes of CSI, maybe, or something. Costume designer, oh. Bob Ringwood. Oh. Actually, I think he's an Oscar winner. But um, who's, who's Thomas Lee? No, Bob Ringwood, I think. Produced by anyway, what's your last review? Daniel Tuber, Jamie Dixon, story by William Malone and Daniel Tuber. Mm. Um, those, those classic storytelling heavyweights. Wilson Cruz is uh, in this. And music by David Williams. Oh. John Williams' son. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Do you not know that? No. David Williams, famously John Williams' son. Uh, oddly enough... Oh, no, it's directed. According to... According to the credits on IMDb... Yeah. It's directed by Walter Hill, Francis Ford Coppola, and others. What, Supernova? Yeah. That's how good it is. Oh, hang on. Thomas Lee... Is Walter Hill using an alias? Really? Because he didn't want his name on the credit. It's one of the worst. Francis Ford Coppola is uncredited. Did he do reshoots? And Jack Shoulder is uncredited. Did he do reshoots? I think he was just stuck on there with it. But um, yeah, it's um, yeah, T- Thomas thingy doesn't exist. Good film. It was originally developed in 1988 as Dead Star with paintings by H.R. Geiger and a plot that had been called Hellraiser in Outer Space. Yeah. Francis Ford Coppola was brought in for editing purposes. Anyway, what's your last review? Well, it's definitely not going to be Supernova. Meanwhile, Supernova, (laughs) it's, oh my God. This is. Oh, it's got Wilson Cruz in it. Yeah. He's um, the doctor in Star Trek Discovery. Oh, there you go. The one who dies and they bring him back to life from fungus. Oh, right. And he's like, why did you bring me back to life? I was dead. The theatrical trailer of the film featuring songs. Fly by Sugar Ray and Mama Told Me Not to Come by Free Dog Night 
shows many alternate takes of some scenes, extended versions of some others, parts of a few deleted scenes, including the one where Nick finds the real Troy on the Titan moon turned into a fetus, and Troy begging Nick to help him, and a couple of shots of the original ending where Carl is... I'm not going to spoil that. Four different endings were filmed. <laughs> so this is... It's a famously bad film. Yeah. This is why I bought it. Yeah. How much did it cost, Dan? But it's... it's- it's directed by Walt Hill, you know the guy who wrote Alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah can you believe that pred- that pedigree? Yeah, yeah. You got Pound DVD, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it came from where? Came from CEX. Yeah, and I just want to, I just want to sing the praises of the the brand of shop that you work for at because, like I like I showed you before, it comes with the original postcards included with the DVD. Oh, wow. Look oh. at this. Yeah, they probably never got removed from the box. They probably never got... They, I don't think anyone's watched the disc out. It's quite new. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Supernova. What a pity. I mean, look, and you know I famously fucking love bad movies. Yeah, but there's a difference between like movies that are bad and movies that are charmingly bad. I mean, come on. It's the, it's the movie no one wanted. <laughs> it's the Island of Broken Toys, the movie. Yeah, what fucking Walt Hill didn't want it. I know. Should oh, I yeah, I forgot in? Walt Hill directed Red Heat, classic. Oh, is that the one with... He put his name on that film. <laughs> Isn't that the one where the guy's got a fake leg full of cocaine? Yeah, Cocanium. Yeah. Cocanium. But he also directed, like, The Warriors. He directed 48 Hours. Oh, he directed The Warriors, but he originally yeah. wanted... He Have you ever seen the... The original versus the newer version of The Warriors? No, I never watched the newer version. Because he, he oh, put no. the Spartans... Put all the friggin' you put comic book shit in the beginning and the end. Yeah, I do. So fucking weird. Um, all right. Anyway, sorry. My last review is going to be a brand new movie. Um, it's on Netflix. It's a sequel to a movie that I forgot to talk about before. Oh. Um, it's Concrete Utopia Two, or oh. as it's known around the world, where we didn't get Concrete Utopia, Bad Lads Hunters, starring Don Lee. No. Oh. My boy from Train to Busan, and the Eternals. Don Lee. Oh, is he the chub big guy? Yeah, yeah. Um, friggin' my looks dad like, from Korea. The one who looks like Wong. From... The one who looks like my dad from Korea. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So basically, the story of Badlands Hunters is that Don Lee is the best man in the world. So it's based. It's it's just an autobiographical. There's film a trailer for Deadpool Wolverine. Out, yeah, I saw that. I'm not not gonna watch it. I'm gonna see the film, but I just can't be bothered with trailers for shit anymore. It just spoils everything. What? What's that face? It's like, what's that face, Dan? What are you fucking talking Can about? Can you really spoil a Marvel film in, yeah, the, I guess in the, the post-2020? Who fucking cares? <laughs> anyway, Ant, enough about Supernova, the Walter Hill classic. No, we've got to tweet Walter Hill and see how he's feeling. Yeah. yeah, yeah Can, do you want to show him a picture of the DVD? Because it says the version not seen at cinemas. And I feel like that's weird wording. That's a trick wording. Because if it was a version not seen in cinemas, mm. I'd be like, this is a new version of the film. But the fact it says at cinemas makes me think that maybe this wasn't, like, for sale. <laughs> it's just a workaround. Anyway, that's besides the point. Um, anyway, so, yeah, so Badland Hunters. Uh, Don Lee plays this incredibly strong person who goes around hunting animals in the remains of Japan. Oh, yeah, I saw following, for that. Yeah, following an, an, a massive earthquake. Yeah. Now, in the original Concrete Utopia, one flat block or one large apartment complex survived. And a lot of people there were banding together to make use of the available resources and do their best to survive and propagate in this difficult situation. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. The sequel moves outside of that, that apartment complex and to where the world has been ravaged by this horrible situation. Donnelly hunts giant creatures that now roam the, the broken... Yeah, that happens after earthquake quite yeah, often. Yeah. Crocodiles everywhere, man. Mm. So he, he hunts them and then he gives the meat to people in exchange for goods. Some of them, he just gives them to them because they're like good people. And he, You're saying this guy beats up crocodile? Kills them, chops them up, feeds it to Loves them. meat? Yeah. Is this Monkey D. Luffy? It might be Monkey D. Luffy. Yeah. Racist. Um, Do you know Monkey D. Luffy, he gets his teeth knocked out in one cartoon, in one episode, right? Like, yeah, he drinks milk and his tooth grows back Gross. because, according to Oda, that's how Luffy's brain works, so it works. Oh, right. That's why he eats meat and it heals him. Oh, Because in his head, eating meat So is his dragon fruit feel better. power actually what he thinks makes him powerful rather Possibly, than... who knows? Maybe it's some more dragon fruit. Yeah. Maybe it's some dragon meat. Maybe. Um, but anyway, so um, so Don Lee is like basically like the the uh, the the title character, the Badlands Hunter, and he, he helps this society continue. Like he chops up and trades it for goods around the town and like, so it helps people. One day, a bunch of people, um, come along and they're like, oh, we're looking for this person. And they start attacking his little village and he has to defend the people around him. And he finds out that they have like water, like quite a lot of water on them. And water is a very, a very limited resource in, in this like post apocalyptic world. Big chubby fucker. So he, um, so he he's like, like Ray Winston if he was. He looks Asian. like my dad if he was Korean. Asian Ray Winston. Man. So, so Don Lee is basically like, where'd you get this water? And the guy goes, we got it from an apartment building that was left standing mm. after the event. Mm. Um, anyway, they, the apartment building, there is a scientist who's joined the flock of people that live there and has come up with a way of making people more durable so they can better survive the new po- post apocalyptic world. The problem is that it requires certain certain uh, chemicals that are only produced by young people in states of fear. So he has secretly been gathering young people and stealing this drug after feeding them this special chemical water. It might be fair. I'm not sure. I'm not a scientist. Um, and uh, Make and them watch showgirls nonstop. It's turning, it's turning the people that are injected with this this stuff to make you more hardy, to make you more more powerful... It's turning him into weird lizard monsters. So it's up to Don Lee to kick the shit out of everyone in the tower block and save a young girl from his village. Okay. And it's fucking incredible, Anne. Is that like the raid? It's kind of like the raid, but it's not the raid. Because it's more like a journey. They like do have to like... It's more like... Um, it's a little bit Lord of the Ringsy, post-apocalypse, the road... Apocalyptic, the road. Where everybody is doing bad, but they're also sort of kind of doing okay. And he like... Then it gets a bit raid towards the end, but it's not really like a high-rise building they're traveling through. He is just kicking the shit out of everyone and going up. Um, there's a great scene where he's fighting someone and he's like just kicking them. Just punching. the one scene where he's fighting someone. No, 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 no. It's the specific fight scene no. where he's kicking the shit out of this, this soldier dude. And the soldier guy's going like, it'll take more than that to kill me. And Donnie's like, oh, okay then. And just shoves his head down on a bit of glass on the window that's jutted up and then pushes his body across it. And the head just drops to the floor and he's like, oh, that worked. (laughs) (laughs) Donnie! It's just really fun and it's really vibrant and it's really interesting. And there's like, Really stupid shit in there. Like, there's like a woman who used to be like an heiress who's in the village, and she's still like trying to wear all her nice clothes and her jewelry to like try and still look good. And she's like, "Oh, Donnie, if you just get me. over it." He's like, Donnie's like, huh? she's like, Donnie, if you give me some meat, I might treat you nicely. And he's like, he's like, here you go, his snake. I'll give you some meat. You know, it gives it, gives her, gives her a snake, and she's like, oh, is it not poisonous? And he goes, well, cook it, 
and it won't you can eat it and then like and he has to beat these guys up snakes aren't poisonous they're venomous it's different Shut up! Listen, jeez. And then he beats up all these guys, she and the lady, the lady's in the crowd with the snake that he's given her, and uh, and he's like, he's like, well, I'm glad that's over. And then he looks over, and there's that lady there, and she's got the snake. She's like trying to seductively rub this dead snake across her lips, and Donnelly just goes like, oh. And then she's like, she's like sliding it down the side of her cheek, and he's just like, oh god, no, <laughs> no, what is that? She's trying to make him think about penis. Penis, He's yeah. trying to make him think about penis. She gets snake and just deep throat the snake. But it's a terrifying snake. Yeah, did she have <laughs> the snake on a stick? Mm, pardon? You know, the snake cooked on a stick. Oh right, like swizzled round. Yeah, you know when you like, like stab a it on. Twizzler. Stab it on. No, like a turkey twizzler. You just wrap it around the thing. Yeah, I haven't had twizzlers for ages. That's because they don't exist anymore. Jamie Oliver stole them. They They were back in Morrison's. I used to eat them for a while. No, Jamie Oliver stole them all from people. Oh fuck! Because he was like, no, enums. This is fake meat versions of them. Yeah, probably is. Yeah. Or just curly fries. It's not the same as that. No, no. Um, but yeah, it's really fun. Um, it's it's weird. This is a sequel to Concrete Utopia because it actually is, mm. and that film got quite dour. <laughs> like at the end, they were asking questions about whether or not they deserved to survive because they were stealing food from other survivors in the earthquake, and like it was just and like and there was like this whole thing about. People who didn't live there were being cast out and being left to like yeah, fuck this horrendous world. And then in this one, you're like, oh, they let a scientist in and he turned out to be a fucking asshole. He's got like his weird, he's got his sister, he's been experimenting on his sister and he's like at one point like made her into like, they made her like a portable like incubation chamber that's just her torso, like the top part of her torso and her head. Yeah. She's shaved and he shaved all the head and stuff. And he's just like, I'll bring you back to life one day. And everyone who sees it is just like, why well, have you got a dead body in there? And he's just like, ah, bring my dad, bring my wife back, ah, my sister, whatever. And he's just like, why'd you make it portable? I don't know. Because he's in the apocalypse. You got to make sure you can take mm. him out of the place. But yeah, no, like it's really fun and it's, it's just, it gets very silly, but at the same time, it is just like great action. Do you think it's the same apocalypse as the one from Book of Eloy? No, it's the one from Concrete Utopia. Oh. It's different. Oh. It's an earthquake. Oh. Get with the fucking... The whole world get earthquaked. No, I think it's mostly just Japan, but they oh. don't really... Because travel's a bit difficult when everything's rubble. Yeah. You can't take off a plane when the, everything's rubble. You just swim over to China. It's a pretty big country, Japan. Yeah. Take a while to get to Australia. But it's a lot of fun, and uh, the sequel is just... It's so weird that you get this very serious dour film that is like introspective about humanity and whether or not we deserve to live. And then it's just Don Lee punching a crocodile. Like at one point he's just holding the crocodile by the end of its tail and chops its head off. And you're like, I mean, like there's jumping the shark and there's just knowing your audience. They're like, I mean, he's, gave he's you this. just being a big star. He's been a and big And then star. he's just, he can be in Eternals too. He's so charismatic and he's so good in almost everything I've watched mm. him in. He was in um, the... Oh, wait, he died in Eternals, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. Oh. He was in The Gangster, The Cop, and The Murderer, or whatever it was. And there's a scene where there's a cop and him who go to this garage. And there's, like, all these criminals, like, a chop shop, basically. But they just, like, they tuck drugs into cars and then ferry them all over Korea. Tuck, tuck drugs, tr- drugs into cars. And, up um, their and the cop, the cop is like, oh, okay, we've got to get into a fight with these gangsters. I'm ready for this. And he like puts his fist up and Don Lee just grabs a wrench and starts fucking like braining people. And the cop's like, no, don't kill anyone. He's like, I don't think they're dead. He's <laughs> big, big the tough shit. man. 
He's in like he's in so many good films. There's like Unstoppable, where he plays like someone whose wife owes a bunch train. of money. No, 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 that's no. Uh, different one. Different. He's probably in a bunch of romantic comedies, isn't he? He's probably, the romantic yeah, probably is in a bunch of romantic comedies. But he's just he was in Flu. I don't know if you ever saw Flu, the 2007. Um, like it's it's like a um, what's it called? Like a Spanish flu style epidemic yeah. that starts killing people. Like Contagion, starring it's a Matt bit Damon. Like Contagion. And Gwyneth Paltrow for five minutes. It's a bit like Contagion, but better. Mm. Um, but yeah, Don Lee, just an absolute fucking hero, and this is a good film. It's a lot of fun. He's a big lad. He is. He's a big guy, and like, it's not often that like. I think of Don Lee versus Samu Hung. He'd kill Samu Hung. I mean, Samu Hung is seventy. That's yeah. Mean. He'd kill him. But what about Don Lee versus Martial Law? Not the character from Tekken. I mean, the show Martial Law that Samuel Hung was in. Just a copy of it on DVD. Yeah, don't leave just tearing it. You get Martial Law from the show Martial Law. Put him out into real life and make him fight Don Lee. I fucking I, like the thing about Don Lee is that like I think as soon as I saw Train to Busan, I was like, oh, this guy. There's something about this guy I like. And then I started finding other films he was in, and I was like, oh, you yeah, know, this guy's just. He just he's got that charisma. He's got like a proper movie star charisma. He's a bit like Russell Crowe though. And then he's, just, he's just a big dude. Now he's just a big dude. Who's well, maybe just we like, can get another uh, man with the Iron Fist film and get him in there. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Bring Russell Crowe back. I think Russell Crowe died in the in the end of the. That film. won't stop him. No, it won't. Um, he can punch people with his he's feet. He's Craven now. Is he? Yeah, Russell Crowe. Not, Is he in that? Donnelly. Yeah, he's the dad. Is he? Yeah. Oh god. You can see that after Madam Web. I'm yeah, going to see Madam Web on Wednesday. Craven. Yeah, I'm so definitely going to see. Saying it's going to the be the Craven bad. movie. I've been so looking forward to seeing a Craven movie. I'm craving a bit of that need. <laughs> They're going to do a fucking Moreland movie or some shit. I aren't hope they, they do. Fucking... Oh, I'm going to give I'm going to give uh, Badlands Hunters a Tom Atkins. It's just the perfect level of cheese and stupid and fun. I this like is a sequel to um, Terrence Malick's Badlands. Yeah. yeah, Concrete Utopia. Yeah, I still don't understand how this is a sequel to that film. It's Apocalypse. But it's just it's just the polar opposite of that movie. Mm. But yeah. Really yeah, but fun. at first an apocalypse is sad and bad. And it's fun. Yeah, and afterwards it's fun. Mad yeah. Max is showing us that. Yeah. Yeah. You get that spray paint, you have a good time. All right. And then um, eventually it gets miserable again, such as Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah. Uh, Beyond Thunderdome's half a good film. <laughs> we don't need another hero. That was the title track from that film, right? Yeah. What's the weirdest title track for a movie? And I'm not talking about Seal's Kiss from a Rose for Batman Returns. That's the most romantic friggin' song. That was on Batman and Robin as well. Was it Batman and Robin as well? Yes, it's Batman and Robin. Oh, sorry. Fucking the most romantic of all Batman films. Batman Forever had Hold Me, Feel Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me by you two. Oh, yeah, there you go. There you go. And Kiss from a Rose. It was in Batman Forever. Batman Robin's the one that's not on. That one had The End is the Beginning is the End by Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, yeah, there you go. There you go. In your dark. What's the. So, I Believe I Can Fly for Space Jam? Was anyone stuck inside a closet in that film by any chance? I never watched it. Never, Never cared for Space Jam. No one did. No. Um, the best thing about Space Jam is Bill Murray's cameo. And he's even a... that's been marred by his behaviour. It's not a cameo, though. He's in the film quite a bit, isn't he? He's got a cameo. He's not um, the coach, isn't he? No, he's seen it twice. 
Is he? He's in a golf scene, and then he's at the end. He gets pulled in for the for the game. Hmm. Yeah, I can't remember. I've never. I've not watched it since I was. I think I've seen a little bit of it. I don't know. I can't remember if I've ever seen it. We don't need another hero. Um, all right, that's been Crypt Apocalypse episode 220. Do you remember the song from Green Book that Morrissey did? Yeah. Now I'm not so racist, we can be friends. That one. What was the song? Um, no, Born and bred Italiano, Mamma Mia, Pizza Pie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so annoyed none of his songs are on Spotify because I want to put all those. I want to put like the Will Smith. I think I can beat the Black Panther on there and stuff. Italian or beautiful? It's the best Morrissey song. <laughs> it's the least racist somehow. His songs aren't racist. He is. No, love I... the music, hate the man. His songs are just fucking awful. Nowadays, he's well, not. He's, yeah. he's not been good since the. The Smiths. good thing is Johnny Marr is still all right. Yeah, Johnny Marr's still all right, and doesn't talk to Morrissey anymore. As far it's as because Morrissey was in love with him, he's a fucking weirdo. If you and, read uh, any of Morrissey's stuff, like back in like the day, he was just in love with Johnny Marr, and Johnny Marr rejected him because Morrissey was a fucking weirdo. Italiano pizza pie. <laughs> mm. What was he? Was I was a racist. <laughs> Yeah, now I'm not so racist. We can no, be no, friends. What was the what was the line? What was the actual? I want to know the lyrics. Where <laughs> the lyrics? Anyway, this has been Crit Apocalypse episode 228. Um, uh, you can find Anne at uh, Xbox Collection YouTube. Truck. Pardon? I got garbage truck. No, I'm gonna have to transform him back. Oh, no, it's and what's what? And um, um, Mellow Gaming on YouTube, yeah, and that's yeah, Bot yeah. Collection on YouTube. You also Wild Wars yeah, Hat on uh, yeah, on uh, Celebrity on uh, on Twitter. I got an animated Optimus Prime. You got an animated Optimus Prime. Yeah, it's got um, hair on him. But um, and you can also you can also find you at uh, LV fifty four Space Monkey on X or Twitter, whatever the fuck it's called. I think it's Twitter. It's Twitter. So. Still Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can find me at Crit Apocalypse everywhere. Um, I'm on Blue Sky. That's more important. Blue Sky's open now. Is Blue Sky open now? Yeah, yeah Blue Sky's oh, I'll open. Join it. Yeah, because Fred's is fucking weird. No, Fred's is full of psychopaths. Blue Sky is nice and chill. Oh, good. Because um, you know, a bunch of the usual grifters tried getting on Blue Sky, didn't they? But they couldn't get any engagement from it because it doesn't have an algorithm that boosts their stuff. It's... So they just gave up straight away. <laughs> so it's it's going to be funny though. I mean, once they implement some sort of algorithm on Blue Sky, it'll go shit the same way Twitter did. But because it doesn't boost engagement bait, there's no algorithm on it at all. They can't get a foothold. I think Matt Walsh tried to start a thing on there and didn't get anywhere with it. Oh, nice. And that um, end wokeness or whatever it is, oh, God, idiot. Yeah, that fucking idiot. Yeah, he keeps posting stuff on there, but like no one responds to it. Yeah, because they're all just they're just reactionary weirdos. The only reason they get any fucking traction on X or mm. Twitter or whatever the fuck that stupid website's called is because uh, Elon Musk, king of the incels, fucking yeah. Likes it. Every now and again, you hear someone say, "Yeah, they exist on here," just you never see anything from them. Mm. Uh, I saw two black construction workers drink from water glasses, so I threw the glasses away. <laughs> That's the it's it's. Green book perspective is the key. I simply had to meet some people more racist than me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's amazing. It's on uh, Bandcamp. That's is it? where it is. Oh, yeah, and it's got all the lyrics as well. You can buy the track for ninety nine cents. Oh, I might have to you do that. Make it your ringtone. <laughs> 
I just had to meet more, more races than me. Um, uh, it's a fucking incredible song. Um, I remember when you showed me that, and I, I could not stop laughing. Um, it's so good. Anyway, yeah, um, as always, um, the Tory party fucks kids. They're just a junk, bunch of fucking pedos. Um, and, uh, Prince Andrew's a nonce. Oh, whatever happened to that guy who called Prince Andrew a nonce at the Queen's as the, the procession was going past for the Queen's funeral? Um, you remember he got arrested? Did he? Yeah, someone got arrested for calling Prince yeah. Andrew a nonce. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, weird. Um, is he next in line? He's not next in line. No, Will, no. Prince William is. Will Smith? Yeah, Will Smith. We're going Big, Big Willie style! <laughs> so before the end of the year... <laughs> <laughs> Queen Jada Pinkett Smith <laughs> off with his head apparently he's Will Smith's going out with Margot Robbie really yeah no Margot Robbie's married got, um, apparently so they've know, got a thing going on she's been married for years has she yeah mm, Margot not, Robbie's married to the dude who he was an extra in Harry Potter not what the scuttlebutt says. Yeah, well, the scuttlebutt's probably bullshit. This it's probably the Scientologist trying to start a rumor because they start they tried to do that around the time she was in that focus film with him. Mm, anyway, um, tell people to fuck off because uh, I've got to edit this film. Off you fuck cunts because it's one o'clock. Bye, bye everyone. Bye cunts. Bye, 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 bye.